Hello, this is Lawrence R. Harvey, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. Although, how you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com without your head, I, I, I simply don't know. of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil, and I am joined by the returning Jill Gavarzigian. I think I said that right. It's always good to have you back. Very close. Thank you. Very I'm close. glad to be back. Yeah, I think I had the Z after the uh, before the I instead of after the I. <laughs> but. It's Gavarzigian. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I practice so it all day. I know. I feel terrible. I'll, I'm going to edit it so I sound smart. For the podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Right, right. Fix so it you got as they say. Exactly, exactly. So it would take a lot of uh, a lot of editing for me to sound smart. I think, but we'll get to work on it. So you have uh, the stylist, the campaign to make it into a feature. Yes, was we that just launched the Kickstarter yeah, for it? Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, that was that was always uh, what you wanted to do was uh, to eventually make a feature for, of the stylist. Correct. Yeah. When when I first kind of came up with the concept, that was how I envisioned it—that it would be you know a full-length film. But at the time, I also knew I needed some more experience as a director, and thought it would be you know helpful in the end to have a short when we were trying to get the feature made. Mm-hmm. As so you know, when like you made something we could show. Yeah. So when you made the, the short in your mind, is that like one scene of, of the uh of the feature, or just kind of like an idea of what the feature will be? 
it's basically like a um, kind of it's it doesn't exist within the feature exactly, but it's for capturing like the same time of her life. Like within the short, we were trying to we were trying to show that she was like on a downward spiral, that she was really messing up, like going to get caught soon. And uh, since you are a hairstylist yourself, is there any of you in, in the character? There's a lot of me in the character, but everyone jokes and asks me, do I want to, you know, kill my clients? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, I think that's where it's going. Do you, have any of your clients ever watched it? They have, and they've definitely made jokes about, they're like, I'm definitely not taking a drink from you, or I don't want to be the last person here tonight. All right. So was that the first thing you made, uh, the stylist? It was my second short film. I, Call Girl was my first one. Um, so it was like a, a daunting thing to take on as my second film, and I didn't go to film school, so it was a, a big project, and it took us a long time, honestly, to finish the short, but... I think because we really spent a lot of time trying to make it exactly how we wanted it. Mm -hmm. Since you didn't go to a uh, film school, like uh, how, how did you like uh, as self-taught, how did you, you know, uh, how did you learn like the basics? Um, really just like, as I go, um, I mean, and as, as a director, you don't like literally do like actually do any of the stuff. Like I'm not technically I'm not a cinematographer. I'm not an editor. I have edited some things just out of necessity, but like as a director, you really just need to know how to communicate what you want from each department. And it was really just a matter of like slowly finding like my film family, as we call it, like the people who could, you know, we, you know, take such a big group of people to really bring a film to life that, but some people, when they go, when you, the positive of going to school is that you do learn every single step, so you can almost on your own make an entire film. Mm -hmm. um, but me, I've just learned as I went, and luckily, I've known a lot of people who have helped me and you know made the made the films what they are. Yeah, I'm as uh, when we for the first time we had you on was for Call Girl, which I really lo I loved, and I feel bad saying this, but I told you this is the first time I saw the stylist. I don't know why I haven't seen it before uh, now, but it was uh, it was great. I, I loved it. Yeah, how did that happen? Because we came on for the other film last year, but somehow you yeah it was stylist. Uh, yeah, it was uh, the first year was Call Girl, and then it was uh, for Forty Two Counts, and somehow the style I did not see the stylist in between. Well, I'm glad you liked it and finally yeah, saw it. Yeah, I am too, because it would be bad for the for the show if I didn't like it. But no, but I really did like. <laughs> I really did like you're it, like, not just because you're I here hate either. This film, I've got to interview you <laughs> now. Oh God. Yeah, and uh, I was uh, so not to give well the, the shorts already out there, but so I love yeah. the, uh, the 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 Lou Rusconi. Um, uh, Maniac uh, homage poster because that's my favorite poster from the original Maniac because it's so like uh, it's so like nasty and and kind of dirty. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I saw yeah, when like he, an homage poster, like that's amazing. Yeah, when he suggested it, I was like, I love it. Oh my god! Just me as a fan of Maniac, I would I just want it for myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And I thought that was a, just a cool idea, especially for the Kickstarter, because it's, you know, for almost any horror fan, it's a, an image that you know right away. And 
Well, also, it's just us kind of owning the comparison to the film. It's like, we're not ashamed of being similar. In fact, we're proud of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I See, I didn't even get that part until I watched it. That I was like, oh, well, now, now it even makes more sense. It's not just like you thought Maniac was cool. There, there's a connection. Yeah, and we, it's not really, I'm not afraid to talk about that she scalps people. And, right. that's, you know, obviously with the short already being in the world, people know that. But even when we were promoting the short we were like debating how much we would reveal about her and then i i feel like i either read this somewhere or some like heard it on a podcast but someone like pointed out the idea like they were talking about you know twists and reveals and stuff and comparing it to like using texas chainsaw as an example like you know you see the title of that movie and you know you're about to watch all these kids get killed with a chainsaw like there's no (laughs) secret there's no reveal and it doesn't take anything away from it it's still like you know, one of the best scary movies of all time. So yeah. that, so I, I think we don't always need to worry about keeping everything secret and twists work when they work. They're amazing. When they don't work, they're horrible. <laughs> you know, they ruin the whole film. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, two, a couple of things there. I think even before you see the beginning of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you probably are tipped off just by the name, which is probably Chainsaw involved. Exactly. <laughs> But the, but yeah, the the actual scalping looked amazing. Thank you, our special effects artist Colleen Kaufman. We spent weeks and weeks putting that to get like preparing it. Like we bought a wig. She added all this fake skin to the front, fed hair through it. It was, and then like the actual application of putting that on our actress was like layers. Like first a bald cap and then all these disgusting like blood and guts and then the actual scalp. And it's like when we actually did that on camera, it was terrifying because so it's all these things like layered on top of each other. We didn't really exactly know what it was going to look like when we pulled it off. Like uh-huh. for all we knew, there was something, hor- you know, like something we didn't want to be showing or it wasn't bloody enough or like cause when you're working with our budgets, which are little to nothing, we don't, you know, like in, in big fancy movie world, they get to like practice this stuff ahead of time. Right, right. But like, that's like a few thousand dollar thing just to practice. It's like, if you're going to practice it, we might as well shoot it. Um, and somehow <laughs> yeah. it was like a dream come true on that first try. Cause it would have been like five hours of redoing it had we had to, uh, Yeah. but it, it was really like kind of stuck when she was pulling it off. Like it, which I think in turn made it looks more gr- like sure. it looks way more disgusting because yeah, she's like cause actually there's a little bit of force there. fighting. Yeah. And I, she was, she always tells me she's like in the middle of shooting it in her head. She was like, Oh my God, it's stuck. I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do. And she, <laughs> she just kept doing it. And I was like, thank God you just kept going. Cause somehow we got that in that, you know, one long shot. I was like, that's yeah. disgusting. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, the film is more psychological but also, I'm still a huge fan of gore, so I'm trying to mm-hmm. bring the two together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much the same boat. Uh, and even in, in the short, you get that because, uh, you know, obviously the, the gore, it looks great and that scene's awesome. But it's also uh, her dialogue and, uh, you know, figuring out you know, why she's she's not just doing it just for the hell of it. There's there's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. And we we'll be able to, you know, kind of go more into that in the future, which is why we've been dying to make a longer version so people can learn more about the character. Mm-hmm. And uh, Najara T- uh, Townsend, who plays uh, Claire, the stylist, uh, did you know her before you made the movie, before you did the first stylist? I did not. Well, I, 
I met her really just at a film festival where Contracted had played, you know, a film that she stars in. If anyone hasn't seen it, she's incredible in it. Um, the feature film about an STD yeah. horror film. Um, uh-huh. But uh, so I met her at a, yeah, a festival that played at in Palm Springs, maybe like two or one year before we started making the feature or the style of short. And mm-hmm. really when I just started thinking about who we would cast as the stylist, I didn't know her on like a personal level. I'll just kind of, you know, just met her kind of more fangirled the first time I met her, just got a picture with her and nothing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just, she kept coming back into my mind when I was thinking about this casting. Cause I was like, this is a really challenging role. Like this could be really bad if it's not someone that's like uber talented, basically. You know, she has to go into such an emotional place, that character. And contracted to me was really just like it kind of shows you her range of talent. Like she kind of goes through every emotion in that film. So it's like this is a perfect Mm -hmm. example of like an audition for something really emotional. (laughs) Uh And um, so I just, through the director of contracted, contacted her. And she right away was like super, super into it when she read the script. Uh, and it, it just went from there. And I, I say this all the time, but I don't know what, sorry, there's my dog. I don't know how we would, how this film would be what it is without her. She's so, she is a stylist to me. In fact, like through the feature when we were possibly going to get it financed with other people, they've, they kind of hint, they were like, would you be open to casting, you know, a big, trying to go for a bigger name? I'm like, hell no. Like, have you seen the short? She is the stylist. <laughs> Yeah. And she's going to be no matter what. Um, yeah. And uh, is that Pepper? It uh, is. One of one of them is Pepper, who is this one of the stars of the movie. My right. little Chihuahua. Mm-hmm. Well, he, 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 or is it she or he? Sorry. She. It's Pepper. She. Well, she just wants to get in on the interview, I guess. She does. She's like, well, hello, I'm part of the freaking movie. <laughs> I'm so not she, sure she uh, knows she's about to, to be in a feature film, though. Okay, oh, okay. dog, we're good. <laughs> so uh, was she always uh, uh, excited about doing a feature? Nujara? Yeah. Yeah. Or Pepper. Um, exactly. Um, yeah, Najara has been. We've been really trying to get it made for almost two years and finally when I came to her with this plan like what if we do a kickstarter and just try to do it on our own like god knows how much longer we could be waiting if we don't and she was all she was pushing for it maybe even more because I was still like pretty nervous about it or not sure if we should do it or if really the rest of the crew would also be on board but it's everyone has been all about it and her especially I She's been crazy supportive and she's even been, you know, a part of the process of writing the feature. I've, she's been reading every draft and giving us notes. So she's really like really ingrained with this character now. Mm-hmm. So those, the last two years when you're or uh, three years, I guess when you're, um, you know, wanting to make the feature. Yeah. When, uh, before you decided to go with the, uh, with the Kickstarter, was it frustrating trying to raise uh, the money elsewhere to make the feature? Definitely. Um, but I kind of look at it in two different ways. Like it's, it is frustrating that it's not just 
easy, you know, for someone to hand over you this giant amount of money. But I also have like, <laughs> right. I think it, it in like a more realist, like a, a realistic pers- perspective and the idea that like, there are thousands upon thousands of filmmakers in my exact position trying to get a feature financed like at any given second of every day. So I kind of think it's like this magic luck if that ever lands for you. And so I think people get really bitter and sad that this is not happening and I get it, but it's like, you know, you should, you could only be so lucky. I think we need to not feel so entitled to it. It's like, Yes, of course, we all want that to happen for us, but no one really necessarily deserves it. Like, that's mm-hmm. a huge thing for some person to hand over like a million dollars and trust that it's going to make them money in the end. Yeah. So it's crazy frustrating in one way, but it's also like, well, it's this huge, this huge thing that you're trying to get done. And, you know, what really makes you deserve it any more than all the other people trying to do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you I did do the uh, level head about it, mm-hmm. when you when you had the stylus out and you know it was on Shutter and uh, it played all the festival stuff, how much did that uh, help your confidence in uh, you know uh, continuing to make movies? It was awesome, but I do think we you know I kind of messed up basically not having the feature script ready the second the short started playing festivals. Because we had a lot of interest in the film back then. Like, people, a lot of people assumed that's what we were trying to do. Like, they would come up to me and be like, this is a feature, right? Where's the script? Mm-hmm. Um, like, people would, you know, big people would work for companies that were exciting. And it took us, like, at least a year to get the script to a place where we could show it to people. So there's a good chance we missed out on, you know, like, that moment. And yeah. I was, like, so down about that for so long. I was like, well... Are you just going to be sad that you miss out on it or like do something about it? (laughs) Um, But I feel like they always say you're never like, you got to prepare in a way for like the best possible success. So for instance, if your short does do well, you're already ready with a script to show people as a year later, they're not going to care anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, the whole experience of doing the, the festivals because uh, so I have some guests on who say uh, festivals, most of them are, are pro festivals, but I have some people on that say like they're a waste of money. So what are your opinions on the festivals? I think anyone that says that has not done, you know, made a film that's gotten into festivals yet. And that's why, <laughs> because, because festivals like make your career. Like, I mean, that's got, it's gotten me so many jobs and like, I've met like, and actually it, it makes all the difference to attend the festival. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're a short filmmaker or not, but putting yourself in front of all these people, like on a regular basis, that's what gets, like it keeps you in their mind. That's how you get jobs. That's how you like grow and start collaborating with other people. Like half the people I've worked with, I've met at festivals and almost every connection I have in the industry, I've met them at film festivals. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the stylist wouldn't have been on shutter if it didn't play those festivals and do well. Mm-hmm. So I really think that's the stepping stone to then going on to like directing features or TV. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, um, just myself going, I just started going to festivals a couple of years ago, you know, as, uh, as press and that's, uh, that's how you meet all these people. And it's not like I go there and in it, uh, intending to do that, but 
you know, everyone's hanging out. And like you said, you make good connections. And if people like you, they want to come on the show or, you know, whatever. And, and it leads yeah. other things. Plus, it's a really it's good time. It's all about like that FaceTime. Like, yeah, it's so fun. And it's like, it makes all the difference for people to be able to meet you. Like, like you're saying, if you're able to meet these people in person, they're way more likely to like come on your show or do whatever because they've actually met you as a human being versus we all know each other on social media, but mm -hmm. it really makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, speaking of festivals, uh, your newest movie it, uh, premiered at Fright Fest. One last meal. Yes. That was actually our international premiere. Okay. We, international. Sorry. But it was awesome. We had our, our, initial premiere at Cinepocalypse in Chicago in June. Okay. Um, but that was the only other one. And so this was definitely our biggest festival by, that we played yet. And it, it went over so well, but the crowd at Fright Fest are you know, like horror fanatics. So yeah. they did, they, you know, some crowds you watch movies with and they don't like react like audibly to the movie. And uh -huh. this crowd was like, just like all our jokes landed and, our gross out, everyone was making noise. I'm like, yes, now you can tell it's working. <laughs> when they're yeah, quiet, you can't tell, or it's not working. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I was at Fright Fest last year. It was, a, it was huge, and it was, a, it was an awesome time, my first time ever in England. And I had a great time. Had you been to Fright Fest before? One time uh, five years ago with Call Girls, so it was in a different theater in the same same like area but this year it did seem like brought up 10 notches i was like this is like fancy as hell <laughs> like all those that like, theater was so nice yeah yeah it's really i admire like, itself and stuff yeah even the steps going up it's like it looks it looks really cool and the uh, uh there was a guy at a tattoo fright fest i was like wow this is a real big deal <laughs> Jonathan Hughes, I bet he's listening. Yes, right yes, now. that's it. Yeah, he probably is. Yeah, good guy. Hell yeah. He went to see every. He went to see every movie when I was there. I don't even know how that's physically possible, but he saw every movie. Every single movie. That's yeah. not possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't think it was unless he's like jumping in and out of theaters, but I don't know, or maybe as a clone. I don't know. <laughs> So yeah, uh, where does um, where does one last meal go from uh, Freight Fest? Well, we are um, we are actually having our local Kansas City, where I'm from, our Kansas City premiere this Saturday night, and so there's a lot of us from the crew and cast will be there. But then I'm trying to wonder, see if we've actually officially announced some of these. Um, we are playing Midwest Monster Fest next weekend on the 14th. I think I might drive up to it because it's not too far away. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say this. They're not listening. We're playing Monster <laughs> Fest in Australia, which is like their big, oh, it's like their Fright Fest, like the biggest. Yeah. So I'm psyched. And uh, normally they hold it in Melbourne, Australia. But this year they're doing this crazy thing that should happen in more places. They're ho hosting the festival in five different cities in Australia at the exact same time. Oh, that's pretty like sweet. Sydney, Melbourne, and like three others. Uh, but that's a big one that like, I feel like it's kind of like the similar lineup as Fright Fest. Mm -hmm. The stylist actually won best actress at Monster Fest the year that we played it there. Um, I've never been in Australia so far away and mm -hmm. I'm 
we're all poor filmmakers. So I'm like, once I make a feature, I'll go that far away. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good plan. Yeah. That's a very long flight. Yeah. I'm trying to think if we've announced any other, I've definitely submitted one last meal to lots of the horror festivals, which, you know, are mm-hmm. all those lineups are coming out like right now through October. And there's a lot of things I'm not allowed to announce yet. I feel like <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. So is it, um, is it, is it a lot of work to have, uh, the stylist, um, campaign going on the same time you're promoting one last meal at the festivals or is it like a good thing because while you're at the festivals you can also uh plug the the campaign that was exactly my plan but it is a lot of work (laughs) sure so i guess both Um, both is the answer yeah yeah, we 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 scheduled the campaign to kind of coincide with like genre film festival season as i call it like Mm-hmm. It kind of just gets crazy from August through November. So, but yeah, uh, the campaign is going. We've still got a lot to raise, but we have raised a lot so far. But Kickstarters are definitely a nerve-wracking thing on a daily basis. I'm like, what yeah. can I be doing more to make this thing go further? Right. You don't want to annoy people. So it's like, yeah. It's what, about halfway? A little yeah. under halfway, I think. What are some Anyone of the... Uh, you can sorry, watch the full short. Yeah, you can watch the full short on our Kickstarter page. So you can basically d- judge that way. You're like, watch the short. If you like it, give us your life savings, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Seems, and you can, you, seems, can, right? you can be like, yeah, you can be like an executive producer if you give your life savings. Exactly. That's worth it, I feel like. Yeah, no, we I do agree. Have some, we do have some cool rewards. Like, mm-hmm. But also, I like to stress to people that like, everything helps. I don't know if if anyone ever feels weird about like doing what they would assume is maybe too small of amount, but Mm -hmm. everything gets us up there. So, you know, there's rewards from $10 up to Mm $10,000. But just for 25, you basically get to see the film when it's done. And then, like you said, up to 10,000, you're talking like an executive producer, get to come to set, go to dinner with all of us producers, come to the festival premiere. Um, and then there's a million options between there and there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, where, where did you film, um, one last meal? Was that an actual, uh, prison? Yeah, we shot it in Jefferson city, which is the capital of Missouri, but it's, uh, the Missouri state penitentiary. It closed mm-hmm. in 2004 and opened in 1836. Um, but what's crazy, you go inside this place and you'll be like, there's no way this was safe or okay <laughs> to be like open only 15 years ago. Um, it looks uh-huh. like you go in there and you'd think like it closed like at least 100 years ago. It's in like such a state of like, it looks like apocalypse happened inside there. Um, yeah. But so for a horror film or for photography or anything, it's like a dream place to go to. They keep it open for tourism and for like shooting i'm surprised they haven't shot i think they've shot a decent amount of like those ghost shows up in there but i don't know how it hasn't been used for like major feature films yet because it's like a dream you can't you can you know build something like that with the billion dollars um (laughs) it's just beautiful we only use like one building of like the three giant stone you know they look like something from like europe like we don't even make stuff like that anymore here 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was a dream to shoot in, but it was a lot of work to get the permission. It's owned by the, like the state of Missouri. So we had to get permission from the state board and do all this stuff. Yeah. Now, which came insurance. first? <laughs> what, yeah. Which came first? The idea to, for one last meal or did you guys like, uh, get permission to film there? Then like, Hey, we have then came up with the idea. It, we had the, the idea first, um, actually it was written by my friend, Eric Stoles, mm-hmm. who horror fans might know his work. He wrote that werewolf feature from a few years ago called late phases. Mm-hmm. Um, the old werewolf came out like five years ago. Yeah. yeah so there's an old man werewolf. And Eric and I have been connected on a couple of features that we've been trying to get made for a while. And so I asked him randomly, I was like, do you have any short, short film scripts that I could, you know, I might be interested in that I could make. And he's like, yeah, I have this one laying around from a couple of years ago. And he's, you know, I'm always stressing to him that we need to write stuff that we can actually afford to make, like think about location <laughs> right. and stuff like that. So the first thing he says, just to like, prepare me he's like yeah i have one but uh it's set in a prison and i'm like jesus <laughs> christ like finding a i'm like right away to think you know i go right into logistics i'm like a prison is gonna be impossible like there's no way you could actually probably legally shoot in a, in one that's running because there would uh-huh. be inmates around um so i just immediately googled uh, abandoned prisons in missouri just i was like do these are there any of these around just for the hell of uh-huh. it like right after I read it, read his script because I loved it. I was like, wow, this this script, I liked it so much because it really had, I felt like it had a lot to say, like mm-hmm. socially, politically, everything while being like funny and super gross. So that kind of hits all, all the things I'm interested in. Um, uh-huh. And so I was like, okay, I love this. How the hell are we going to find a prison and just search it, discovered that. And I was like, how did I never know this existed? Because I'm the kind of person that likes to like, just go out and see things like that and like tour it. I never knew it was even there. And I'm like, Holy shit. I just want to go to this place, let alone shoot in it. And they were so friendly right away. Like I emailed them. They emailed me within 24 hours you know, saying I could come down and see it whenever. And they'd show me around. And I was like, this, I'm like, this seems like it's happening. I found a, an amazing prison. We're going to make this movie. <laughs> and I, I got to go down like three times before we actually shot and kind of have, like just get my own private tour while we're trying to figure out where we're going to shoot. Mm-hmm. So I'm like obsessed with that place now. What sucks yeah. is it was hit by a tornado this past spring and oh, really? part of it was actually damaged. So it, it hasn't reopened since then. Um, and so I'm really hoping they get it back. Cause I love when places will actually keep something like that up for the sake of history Instead of just, there's so many beautiful buildings in this country that they just let like literally just completely deteriorate and mm-hmm. they just leave them, like abandon them completely. Yeah. So yeah. I just don't want that to happen to this prison. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is it, uh, when you're inside the prison, is there, is there like an atmosphere there? Is it a weird feeling, you know, being in this old prison? It was, yeah, it was like the scariest place I've ever been. And like, I would describe it, the feeling inside there as like festering, like this whole project made me like become obsessed with prison and reading about it and watching all these documentaries. And when you really like think about prison, of course, like this is a very sad, horrible place. Like it's just, 
full of years and years of just negative energy and everything. Like there's nothing ever hopeful or positive that's happening in a place like that. So I just feel like it's like infected with that feeling. Like, I don't know that I necessarily believe in ghosts and all that, but like it feels like haunted, not in the sense of ghosts, but just like, it just feels not pleasant in there at all. And it's like just a heavy feeling. And we actually, we, we shot in the like actual death row, those cells we were using, which is like two base, two levels into a basement down into the ground. And uh, we shot in the real gas chamber where like actually people were killed. And that room is the scariest feeling room. Not surprisingly, it's com- a building completely on its own, like hundreds of feet away from the rest of the prison, which I learned mm-hmm. that's a common thing, which I think that says a lot about, the psychology behind even these like wardens and captains that work in these prisons, like even though they enforce this death penalty, even them, even they have to keep it like out of sight, out of mind in like a totally different building. Um, but in that building specifically, actually everyone says this place is haunted, which I feel like they say any old place is haunted anymore. But in that gas chamber building, all of our footage from the camera, see the, camera normally picks up sound but we use you know like our nice sound that's recorded through the mics but Mm -hmm. so the camera sound completely cut out like in all of our footage from only inside that gas chamber like it's just like gone so if anything if we have any haunted proof it's it's in there i guess like (laughs) for no reason whatsoever the audio is just like complete static uh, that's very weird. I believe uh, Terrible Troy has joined us. Hello. Hello. How's everybody <laughs> doing today? <laughs> good, good. You scared me there for a second. I'm a scary man. That's why I'm Terrible Troy. Yes, you, are, you are very scary. It's very true. It's true. So, so I, I don't want to give like, we said it was a prison, but it's, like, it's hard to talk about a lot of shorts without giving you know uh, away what it's about, but as you said, there's a lot of stuff in here, and it really does have a story arc uh, for for a short film. Don't sit on this clean stuff, y'all. <laughs> I just cleaned all that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I meant to mute that. Shit. Um. <laughs> yeah, all I was saying was that uh, one, one last meal has a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on. It really has a, a good story arc for you know for a short film. Thank you. Yeah, Eric is just so talented. Uh, Eric Souls, who that's the thing is like he even actually did it, the most recent draft of the stylist. I brought him onto that project because he's just blown me away with his talent. Like he really also makes these characters feel like so alive on the page. It's like a lot of people can't write dialogue super well, or it all sounds like the same coming from the same voice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was interesting. That film was actually shorter than the stylist, but one last meal so much happens like it is like a full story it's like we are shooting so many freaking scenes for this 10 minute long movie holy shit um it was like more scenes than i ever had dealt with so it was like in what in a lot of ways a a lot bigger of a project than the stylist short was Mm -hmm. yeah i I dug it a lot so uh, i'm glad it's uh it's been at, at some festivals and has some coming up uh some you can't announce yet but it's good. Hopefully more soon. Yeah. 
Always waiting so, for those acceptance slash rejection emails. <laughs> uh huh. Is it is it is it hard? Because uh, I've have, I have a short in a, in festival, so I got my my first rejection uh, rejection letter right away. Actually, it was uh, disheartening. But uh, but besides that, it's been doing. Is that is that hard to deal with when you get rejection letters? It's not too bad. It's like I just kind of accepted that it's just part of it. Like there are certain festivals I'm really hoping to get into, you know, even more than others. I kind of can can kind of tell my chances. So I'm like realistic with myself. Like I understand also like what it's like to program. And it's not always about like just as plain as simple, like how good is your film? It's like, does it fit in with the other films? Does the runtime fit in? Does the theme fit in? It's like, so I tell people the longer your movie is, the less chance you have of getting into festivals and so there's so many things that go into it. So you can't take it too personally, but you know, of course some of them bum you out, but mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. yeah. I, I admittedly will get bummed out like maybe for a morning when I first hear about a certain one. And I'm like, uh-huh. I, I, I knew, I mean, I know going into it, I don't have any ex, like expect to get in anywhere. Mm-hmm. I just think you've got to like keep yourself in check like that. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, appreciate it. That's very true. When you talked about uh, runtime, I've noticed that because I've been doing more festivals lately. uh, Lately, there's some things uh, move. I don't even what to call them. It's weird to call them shorts, but some are like 40 minutes or 36 minutes, and uh, it's. I guess you know you should just make. Uh, it should be the length of whatever it is to, to tell your story, but it is weird when you watch a short that's like 38 minutes long. Yeah. It's interesting there. Some of those though do really well. And it's kind of like, like you said, like sometimes it's just like, that's the time that's Mm -hmm. necessary or that's all that's necessary for whatever the story is. Um, Cause I bet a lot of people maybe have something that would work best at that type of, like that awkward run time when they might stretch it out into a feature, Mm -hmm. you know, or try to chop it way down. Um, Yeah. But that is a hard place to be because I would guess it would be really hard to place to get into festivals. Um, the longer it is, the better it needs to be. But then it's weird. I feel like with features, there's less competition because there's less made. There's more shorts made than there are features. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem the last, uh, I don't know, maybe five years or like so, the shorts have really become uh, popular. Or at least there's a lot of them made. Yeah. Well, well, it's nice uh, that there's kind of been attention on them outside of festivals, you know, like mm-hmm. Shutter picking some up. And now there's that new service called Alter that's just like available through YouTube or Facebook, but they specifically just stream short horror films oh, and it's free for anyone to watch them. You got to check yeah. out Alter. I've got Call Girl and 42 Counts are on there and they do really good with promoting stuff like not my short films, but plenty of their shorts have gotten over like millions <laughs> of views. Um, they're kind of, they're cool. They're owned by gunpowder and sky, a bigger company that like they're part of producing cam and a new film called villains. that's coming out right now. So Mm -hmm. they're kind of connected to the feature world too. Um, yeah, it's cool that finally there's kind of a place to actually see them outside of just festivals. Yeah. Cause I used to bring that up when people would be on the show. Cause it, it was almost like, 
once a once the short was done with the festival run, it would just kind of disappear. But uh, it's yeah. nice that there there's some homes for them. So you know, because a lot of them are great, and uh, you know, there's nowhere to really see them. But uh, if there's if there's platforms uh, for people to watch them, that's awesome. You'd really, I've always thought that it's kind of surprising that maybe places like Netflix don't pick up more short films. Mm-hmm. Even so, because you know people have like no attention span anymore. All people watch anymore are episodes. So a short films were basically like that. <laughs> Like, yeah, you could sit down and binge watch a bunch of them. I feel like uh, they could, they could be them out more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Which I saw this off topic, but uh, they're going to stop doing the binge. Uh, the, uh, instead of like putting the whole series of, of a, of a se- you know, the whole season of a series up, they're going to put them up one, one a week, one episode a week, like a, like a regular uh, television network. I don't know I how that'll work. I see why they would do that. Um, yeah, because I'm sure like people just buy it uh, for like when Stranger Things comes on, like they get it for one month and then they cancel. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, smart. They just want to. They don't give a shit about us. They just want to <laughs> keep our money. I'm like, they're right. do- I was like, they're doing it for us. So we don't just watch a whole thing. Uh-huh. People, are, people are going to like lose their minds if they have to wait a whole week to watch. it. Yeah. <laughs> There is something about watching, uh, waiting a week uh, per episode, though. I do think you, know, like you said, you said appreciate things, but you do appreciate it more. I think if you got to wait a week, I do like. I mean, I, I miss that about things that are on Netflix. I do like that. It's like every week, you're like, "There's a new episode. It's exciting." <laughs> yeah. So I wonder if people though would just wait then till the whole thing's up there and then <laughs> get it at the end. <laughs> That's yeah. That's yeah. That's probably true. I yeah. do know well, plenty of people that do, you know we do that with like HBO and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's always a way around, I guess. But then uh, if it's something you really like, you you uh, you'd worry about someone uh, spoiling it for you on uh, on Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't pay so attention what? to anything. Everything's spoiled out there anymore. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, that's very, that's very true. Uh, Jake uh, Martin, who plays uh, Boyle in um, in One Last Meal, had you had you worked with him before? Yeah, I was I was actually part of helping produce a, a short film called Pity, directed by John Pata, that um, Jake stars in. Um, I don't know, you might know John Pata made a feature film called Dead Weight before that, that Jake was also in. And I think I met John at a convention when Dead Weight was playing and we became friends. And then I helped with Pity, which is a cool short film. It's like a dark thriller. It's actually based on a uh, poem written by Pig Destroyal, the, the metal band. Um, mm. So it's kind of like a weird dark ass poem set to film. Uh, but you guys should look it up it's online, but, yeah, um, we worked on that and he's kind of always playing these e- dark, evil characters. <laughs> so I, d- I ended up typecasting him again, but wh- right when I read this, I was like, <laughs> Jake is perfect for this. Oh my God. And uh-huh. it, I was excited to, s- he's played a lot of roles that were smaller. And even though it's a short, I was like, this will really like showcase how like crazy he can be. And, I, I thought he did, he was awesome. He he was in Wisconsin, so he came down here to work on it, and I was stoked to finally get him in something. And it was like the first thing I made with 
like it's all male characters. I don't have most of my hmm. stuff is almost all female characters, and this right. is the first thing. But that's it's really integral to the story. It's you know kind of yeah major theme in here is like toxic masculinity and such. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Jake yeah. is awesome, and he, he he's yeah, even he's in um yeah. the the new film coming out. I think it came it did come out this week. Gags, the new cl- it's another clown film. Lauren Ashley Carter is also in it. Um, some of my producers on the stylist helped produce that. So we're connected in the film world, but everyone, yeah, should check out gags. It just came out on VOD. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I've, uh, well, I've seen it on Facebook, but I've not seen the actual movie. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's interesting. It's kind of, it's like, it's found footage slash not. It's awesome. It's like all these different things coming together. Like Laura Ashley Carter is, you would know from like jug face and the woman and tons of stuff. Um, oh, yeah. she plays like the, she plays like a newscaster. So it keeps cutting back to the news. It, it the film is completely kind of riffing off that, you know, when there were a lot of like clown sightings out like for real, oh, yeah, yeah. like just clowns standing outside being just standing. <laughs> yeah, there I re- yeah, I remember. yeah. <laughs> it was inspired <laughs> by that stuff. In fact, they, they, the filmmakers behind gags, they did, like their own stunt where they put gags, the clown out in, uh, Madison. Wait, wait, I'm fucking this up. What town green Bay, Wisconsin. And like people were actually freaking out about it and it became this viral (laughs) thing. And then they made a short film and then they went on to make a feature, but really gags went viral out of green Bay a couple of years ago, like just the actual sighting. Mm -hmm. And so it's all kind of inspired by that whole thing. Madness. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess a question is here from uh, Keys Williams, who actually she came uh, uh, to listen to the show last time you were on and she stuck around, which is good. But she's uh, back here with some questions. Uh, what did you find as a challenge in turning your short film, The Stylist, into a creature, into a feature film script? Well, the biggest challenge so far is getting it financed, to be honest. <laughs> Because right, so right. like that's the only thing standing between us and like making the movie. We've mm-hmm. had the script for years, um, so and it's really not. A lot of people will write for you know such like if you're trying to make a movie for like fifty thousand dollars, you'll write something very specific for that. Like we see so many horror movies that take place all in like one house with like three five people, and th- mm-hmm. that's what those kind of bud- films are written for. And this film really isn't. It's like a lot of locations. It's a much bigger scope of a film. And so the biggest challenge now is actually us trying to figure out how we will accomplish, you know, like protect as much of of what we have written within Mm -hmm. like a much smaller budget. Mm -hmm. Um, Which when you actually break it down and look at it in like days and time and I'm like, holy shit, this is going (laughs) to take a lot of time to shoot. Um, so the biggest challenge is like I think accepting what you're actually c- capable of doing and rewriting it for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Charles wants to know: Is there any film legend, living or dead, that you would love to collaborate with? Oh my God! There's a million, but the first person that comes <laughs> to mind is David Fincher, hmm. uh, the director. I call him like the king of you know crime thrillers, which I love hmm. crime thrillers. Um, I don't 
I would love to make stuff like that, not just horror. Um, you know, like Seven, Zodiac yeah. was like two of my favorite films of all time. And on that note, huge fan of Mind Hunter, which he's you know directing almost half yeah. of that show. Which is awesome. But, um, I don't know about. I feel like he, he doesn't need to collaborate with people, but I would just want to meet him and like learn <laughs> from him, have like right. a ten-hour conversation. <laughs> Yeah. Or have him yeah. just mentor me through an entire filmmaking <laughs> process. <laughs> sure, sure. Because I've, so I've studied a lot of stuff about him. I just know he's like meticulous about everything, and so I try to, I try to be that way. I think that's mm-hmm. that's what makes yeah. him so good. Yeah, I know you're a fan of Mindhunter, right? Yes, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not through this new season yet, though. I'm not either. I'm, I'm excited. Troy, have you finished it? I haven't. I, I'm, I think, three episodes in. I really yeah, dig it so I, far, though. Yeah. yeah. They, they, and uh, not only is the show itself so good, but they, every, all the people that play the, the serial killers like, looks like perfect. Oh, my oh. God. Yeah, I just saw some meme the other day with, like, two of the actors side by side with the real guys. Mm-hmm. And it was something like Netflix what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> like these look too much. Like, are these the real people? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Like that's what's amazing is that a lot of that's like prosthetic makeup. Cause they're really making their faces look like freaking identical. Yeah. And it's not in a way, usually when they do that, like you, they just don't, they look like artificial, but, uh, they don't in Mindhunter. They look, they look great. Yeah. Have you ever been to the? Uh, is it the Museum of Murder or the Museum? I think the Museum of Death in Hollywood, where they have uh, they have a lot of um, art from uh, the actual serial killers. Yeah, I actually went there with our friend Lawrence Harvey. Oh, um, awesome! When I I this was like a dorking dork out moment for me, but I got to visit <laughs> him in L.A. when he was shooting Human Centipede Three. Uh-huh. And I didn't, I didn't get, I was, didn't get to go on set or anything. I would have died too. But um, while I was there, we went there and we did all kinds of, you know, creepy tourism type stuff like that. Right. And yeah, that place is no joke. Like people might think it's some kind of funny novelty type thing. I'm like, no, this is actually yeah, very disturbing. Museum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that first room where it's all the art of the uh, a lot of the whole thing is cool, but that first room was my favorite part of it. They definitely, I remember the, them having Wayne uh, Gacy's art, but I can't remember other art. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was um, well, what, who was it? It's uh, the guy who talked to the dog. Uh, uh who's the guy who talks to the dog, <laughs> Troy? He's he's in Mine Hunter. Oh, I can't think now. Um. Well, that does not Real. sound familiar to me, but I. Yeah, I he, yeah, he's uh, well. Anyway, he's a famous serial killer who, who uh, supposedly uh, got it from talking to his dog. Son of but, Sam. So the son of Sam. There we go. Yeah. And there's, I know it's terrible to laugh at this, but he there's like uh, a cartoon that he drew, like a like a it's panels, and it's how to catch and kill a fat woman, and it's like step one by like meatballs and he makes a meatball sub and then lures a woman and he's drawn oh this God. like <laughs> and I'm, I'm laughing it's it's funny to me but it's also terrible because it's a real person who actually killed people but 
And it's so strange that that's, you know, that's there. And what was the weirdest part is he has all these little smiley faces on, on the meatballs and the meatball sub. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I recommend it if, you, if you're, <laughs> if you're a, a weirdo. But, yeah. But, yeah, I was, when I was uh, out there. Go on. Go on, sorry. I also went out to the, this connects to our mind hunter situation. I also went to the Manson, like, the, where the spawn ranch used to be. Oh, yeah. And we actually walked out to where that, like, cave is where they, like, took this infamous picture. And it's just, like, land. But what's creepy as hell is you get down to this cave in the middle of, like, you know, like, wilderness. And the cave is, like, wiped clean with that tiny picture of the Manson family sitting in the middle of it framed with this big rock that has, like, Manson family carved into it. Mm-hmm. And so That's someone really is clearly, like, watching the cave keeping it like clean of debris because <laughs> right. like, like it would be full of leaves and shit like it was just like perfectly yeah. spick and span my friend and i are down there and we look like up on this like small mountain thing behind us and there's like a fucking dude up there on a four-wheeler and i'm like is this one of like manson's long lost family members that's watching the cave is right. he gonna like kill his grandson up there <laughs> I was like, clearly this is like kept up by someone who's either like a fanatic or you know, someone who like cares about these people, like like is looking yeah. at it as a, a like memorial or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was creepy. That's, that's wild. Yeah, about, about uh, that time when you said you were out there with uh, Lawrence when he was filming uh, Human Centipede Three. Uh, uh, it I was gonna be one of the centipedes and the big thing. But then when they asked me, like, oh, you're an L.A. native, because he had to be an L.A. native, and I said no, and uh, so that couldn't happen. But everyone afterwards told me I should have just lied and said I lived out in L.A., and I could have been oh, one of yeah. the 500 centipedes. Yeah. That, yeah, they just tried to fool you. I feel like they probably worried you wouldn't be there, but you should have lied and said you lived in L.A. for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I missed my chance being in the human centipede film. Unfortunately, I'm. Le- uh, are you looking forward to his new movie? Uh, 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 Tom Six's new movie. How do we say the name of that movie? Well, that's why I just the- called it uh, Tom Six's on- new movie. On- <laughs> I sometimes do that with your short too, Dale, because I'm unsure of like how to pronounce it. Yeah, well, we just played it at uh, at Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival, and the uh, Greg Lambertson's a great guy, but he just kept calling it Neil's uh, uh, belly button movie. He's like, I yep, can't remember yep, the name. That's of the easiest it. way to but, go uh, with that. <laughs> Was funny to me, but uh, the Okean, I don't know, I don't know how you say it. I don't know. I'm not sure what to think about it, but you you know I'm going to be seeing it as soon as possible, though. Right? Yeah, Um, I think I'm right with you there. I don't know what to think of it either, but yeah, I'm definitely going to see it. I feel like it looks like it's uh, in a world where it's like it's focusing on the the like rich one percent that doesn't give a shit about anyone else mm-hmm. but all we've seen from this like trailer is these like all these rich women women in a room masturbating <laughs> to footage yeah. of the world trade centers being like <laughs> uh, flown into that's literally right. what the trailer is yeah so you yeah. know tom six doesn't like to upset people or anything um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that doesn't yeah. tell us fucking anything. <laughs> Except for it's going to be wildly offensive, which we already knew. Right, right, yeah. 
We, we, I think you'd be let down if it wasn't, if you just made like a romantic comedy or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's what he's going to do to just weird people out, you know, and everyone will be scratching their heads going, just what the hell did off? I just watch? Yeah. Yeah. I know this isn't the proper term, but when he when uh, when we went to Hollywood, L.A. for the uh, Human Centipede 3 premiere, he had also a little person. Uh, he had a little person with him who dressed like him and like would carry like an ashtray for him while you smoke. It's very ridiculous. Yes, it was. Oh, people don't do that. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, we're, we're, I good. we're I, good. I probably would if I if it, if I had the means to do so. But. It's hard if I have a dwarf that does that, though. Is the, is it? Yeah. No, no. Okay. I guess I, I'm almost a dwarf. I'm five five five. <laughs> Will you be my ashtray, Neil? No. All right. Yeah. That's not so, surprising though to me because he's just such Tom Six is such a character like. I do, I do like that also about him. I yeah, like yeah. how he's like, you know, like made a character of himself. Like that's not even him. You know, we don't know who he is. It's like right. Marilyn Manson esque. Like, or then the fact that he would do that. I feel like a lot of people would obviously be offended by that happening. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I think he, you know, he's like also from this era of like freak shows and like that being part of art. And I know Lawrence Harvey is and, mm-hmm. um, but it is, you know, it's a weird thing. Cause back in the old days, we would basically anyone who was different in any way, we would like put them in a fucking freak show. Like <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> um, but it's not shocking at all to me that he'd walk around doing something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. So it was good. I remember when we went to see the Human Centipede 3 premiere and um, uh, Akihiro uh, Kitamura, who is in, uh, uh, he's the he's the front Pete in part one. And uh, after the film, I said, oh, what did, you, what did you think of the movie? And he just, he looked like shell-shocked and he just went, crazy movie man, crazy movie man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, we got an interesting question from George James Fraser. He wants to know, what flavor wrap snacks pair the best with a Cabernet? Oh, man. I should have been prepared. He told he t- said he was going to be asking this question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with a Cabernet. Um, I'm sad to say I haven't had them together. But I'm going to go with just my favorite flavor, period, which is Migos sour cream with a dab of ranch. All right, all right. What are wrap snacks? I've seen, I, I you know, I follow you on Twitter, so I see you uh, tweeting about wrap snacks, but I'm not really, uh, I don't really know what they are. Yeah, you guys got to get hip to them up there. Um, <laughs> they are, which I'm surprised they're not out there because the guy that started them is from Pennsylvania. But um, I know way too much about wrap snacks. They are chips. Well, they don't <laughs> do, they do all different things. There's like chips, popcorn, like, puffs you know like cheesy puff type things um mm-hmm. but they have like at least 15 different flavors now at this point and each flavor is like named after like it's a rapper's flavor or like some of them have multiple like a hip-hop mm-hmm. artist so it'll be like cardi b right right after she won all those grammys i don't know how they landed this deal because it got them on like crazy on the map rap snacks they announced like four flavors that were just cardi b's the day after she won all those grammys um but like 
so there's so many, like there's some from back in the day, like Trina has like two or maybe four different flavors. Um, but uh-huh. the, yeah, it'll be like Cardi B's habanero barbecue or it's so silly. Like little Romeo's cheddar barbecue <laughs> with my honey. And they try to like name them silly things. So I saw them for years at like uh, convenience stores and stuff. And I never tried them because I, I think I just was like, these can't actually be any good. Like <laughs> right. you see, you see the bags and you're like, the bags look so like, they're so colorful and design like pictures of the wrappers, like right on the front of the bag. And you're like, this, is this even real? It just looks like a novelty. But then I finally tried them a, a little over a year ago, actually when we were shooting this trailer for a film we're trying to get made. And my producers brought every single flavor to set because they had never seen them. And I'm like, oh my, so we got to try every single one. I'm like, holy shit, these are actually good. And I've full blown have become obsessed ever since, basically. <laughs> All a, right. To the point where I'm like, how am I not sponsored by these things yet? <laughs> right. Yeah, I thought maybe you were because I do see. Well, that 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 does uh, uh, speak more highly of them. If if, if there's no uh, actual connection, you just really do like them. Nope, they're not paying me to say this, <laughs> but they should. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're right. The official sponsor of the stylist, the, the rap snacks. There we go. Mm-hmm. We can we You're... can put them in the background of every shot. Product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just sitting around the, the shop. Yeah, that works. Uh, yeah. Phil Healy wants to know, how will the Chiefs fail this year? Phil's trying to start a fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, how will they fail? Uh, yes, yes. Well, they won't, first of all. So oh, that's all I have to say about that. First game is this Sunday, first real game. He knows I'm a super fan. I got a season tickets to the Chiefs this year. Oh, nice. I'm psyched. Mahomes um, is the man. Yeah, we're, for the first time in 20 years or something, we've had, like, one of the best teams in the country. <laughs> so it's really exciting. <laughs> See, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, so I can feel your pain on that. <laughs> We, um, you know, like last year I didn't have season passes, but a group of friends of mine, they've gone for years. And I went to, I think like the last five or six games last year, like both, um, playoffs games. And it was just so exciting. I'm like next year I've got, I've got to like go in for real with you guys and get a seat to every game. <laughs> um, but of course this year, because we did so well last year, all the prices like shot up like double. Oh, you could get like yeah. season tickets for like one dollar, you know, a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and now they actually cost a little bit of money. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned in the in the campaign that uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, is uh, inspiration, one of the inspirations for uh, for the stylist. Uh, what what are some of the horror movies that you watched that made you become a horror movie fan? Um, definitely. I think of Scream when you say that, because that came out at like prime age for me. I was probably like 13 or 14. Um, but I started watching horror a little bit younger than that. Too young, but that's what, that's the best time, right? You have to sneak them when you're young and they're terrifying. Okay. Right. Um, but Candyman is a big one for me. And then, then I think you know, Scream was like one of the, a new film for me that really like kind of, I felt like it was like a education in film because in horror films, especially because it had so many references to others. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember finding this, like this website back then that listed out all these 
nods to other films within Scream. And at that age, I didn't know what half of these movies were. So I kind of used this list as like, I need to see every single movie on this list. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. I will be an expert. Um, I was at that prime time to love all of the 90s teen horror movies. Like, I love that shit. Mm-hmm. Love Idle Hands, Final Destination, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I know what you did last summer. I guess that would have been 90s. Hell yeah. Um, which is funny to rewatch, like, because you compare, like, Scream was actually a badass movie compared to I Know You Did Last Summer, meaning, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's more adult Scream is. I Know yeah. You Did Last Summer is definitely geared towards teens. Like, you know, there's, like, no gore in I Know You Did Last Summer. It's very, like, I feel like it's probably PG 13. Um, mm-hmm. But still yeah. a huge place in my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I still yeah. have my VHS if I know what you did last summer. <laughs> Do you still have a working VCR? Yes. Hmm. Well, I haven't tried it in a while, so I'm assuming it still works. Assuming it works, right? Right. Uh, about that uh, physical media, since uh, you know you're a filmmaker. Uh, do you see that continuing? Because you know that's always something people talk about. I don't know. I I feel like the you know the fanatics, the horror fans, like our people, mm-hmm. definitely still yeah. like to have physical copies. Yeah, I have but, a big stack of Blu-rays and DVDs right here next to my head. Yeah. But so many, you know, like I feel like your average movie watcher, someone who's not like a fanatic, they don't give a shit about owning movies. So I can see like the issue, like will will we be able to sustain like creating them? I think mm-hmm. I would like them to, cause that's still also the best way to watch something. Like, you know, you're not getting the best picture or sound or anything when you're streaming. Um, mm. But it's so, it is, I think there's a lot of plus, you know, positives about streaming it. I feel like it gives, you know, people a, a way less of an excuse to steal stuff. There's still so many people that, you know, steal yeah. everything they watch. Which, yeah. which I think we need to shame those people as much as humanly possible. I agree. I've been. <laughs> not, I was kicked out of uh, some horror group on Facebook once because they were all sharing like uh, links to download. It was like uh, new. I think it was like Turbo oh, Kid at the no. time. Yeah, and I was just like, "This is not." Uh, and then they all attacked me when I was like, "This isn't <laughs> a good way to." And they were. They were I, I was somehow like the 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 villain in it. Oh, and yeah. I got banned from the group. I was just like, "This no. is so bizarre." You don't want to be a part of that group, and all those people need to know. Like, and it's even more frustrating to me to to think like that. These like fans that think that they're actually fans of something and they're going to steal from it. Like oh, that's yeah. fucking insane. And it's like, especially a movie like Turbo Kid, maybe they think because they've heard of it, like, oh, this must be made by millionaires. No, that is like a tiny film that needs all of its money made back. Like, mm. a film like that doesn't make its money back, then those people that finance it, they never make another movie. People don't realize that there's actual oh, repercussions yeah. to this. Like, you don't support that movie, that filmmaker may never get to make another movie because you stole it. Like, it doesn't make, oh my God, it pisses me off. <laughs> Especially yeah, no, like I, you say you're a fan of this. Don't steal right. something you like. Oh, yeah. 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 I, one of our first guests on the show, I think it was on our sixth episode in 2006, was Adam Green. It was right before uh, Hatchet came out, or right after Hatchet came out, right around that, I think, right around the time. And he was saying that, like, 
this was back on MySpace. He was saying like people in MySpace were would like uh, message him like they love he, they love the movie, and he'd like so where'd you see it? And they would just openly talk about downloading it, and he'd be like, well, could you at least then go if it's not played in your ear and you did download it, like go buy a ticket online so at least you know there's some money and like they'd get mad at him and call him greedy and it was it's just very it was very bizarre that's crazy i, th- I think it's a, a lot of people's minds it's just like a cheaper way to to get something as opposed yeah. to like you're actually stealing it well i think it's like a large part of it is that because it's not because it's not a like material thing that you can like touch. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like you're stealing. Like it's like the psych psychologically you don't feel as bad because you're not like actually taking something. And I but people are right. like just because it's not physical doesn't, you know, make it any different. It's like and I feel like all those people will defend it and I'm like, Well, if you walked into, you know, the grocery store every single day and stole something, I feel like you probably wouldn't defend that. You probably would know it's wrong. (laughs) But something like, just because it's a file and it's there, it's not like wrong. I don't know. Especially when you can like pretty much find anything online to watch for like a couple of dollars. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's something I always bring up because like you said, now like almost anything is like at the most, it's going to be like $3 or or maybe five bucks if it's like really new. So you yeah. could, you know, you could just go rent it. Yeah, it's not like back in the day when you had to like hunt things down and you know, get a bootleg copy of something from a you know, comic book convention or something like that. It, it, I will yeah. say it is different if it's something that there is it just isn't released. Yeah. Like uh you know, it's yeah. still not cool, but I mean if there's just no other way you could ever watch it. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, destroy bought the bootleg Fantastic Four, right? Yeah, that that's how uh, Troy and I would watch uh, the old, the really great movie Fantastic Four movie. Oh yeah, (laughs) because it was never released. But actually, I think it's the best Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, unfortunately, it is. But then I find but it yeah. frustrating that I'm like, why isn't every movie in the world like available to rent on Amazon? Yeah, you think it should like be. they just should all be. <laughs> I'm always shocked when they're people? not now, though. It's so strange. I don't know why I think they have like this limitless library. What the hell do you mean they don't have that? No, freak out. <laughs> yeah, it is funny though, and I because I do have like all these DVDs and Blu rays in like every room, and sometimes if I have a guest on. Uh, instead of trying to find the movie, if it's like somebody from like a like a big uh, you know like Friday Thirteenth Part, whatever, I'll just see like oh it must be streaming on like Netflix <laughs> or just because it's e- it's easier just to go do that than to go find my copy. <laughs> I know it's oh very my stupid. God. But, I have you know. seriously done this too. Like I have definitely searched for movies that I own. <laughs> right. right. I'm like, ah, I'm like are you serious? I have to like get up and like. <laughs> Put it in my DVD. Nah, yeah, come on now. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, all these steps involved. Exactly. Right. It's not just a push a button and boom, you're there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, is there? A, I have the link on the website, but uh, how do people find the Kickstarter for the stylist? Um, well, you could go. You can either just search it on Kickstarter or. Mm-hmm. 
on my website, which is sixtape.com with two X's. There's a link to it right there on the homepage. And you can even watch like some of my other films on there if you would like. Yeah. Well, I don't think I've ever asked this. What is the origin of, uh, of the six name Jill six? Really? It's just, I, six has been my lucky number since I was a little kid. It's always been my the number I picked for everything. Um, when I was younger, I didn't know like any devil connection, you know, I, was, it was, <laughs> right, I think right. it was just cause it was my birthday is February 6th. I really don't know the original reasoning huh. for it, but, um, I do remember when I picked it for us, I think I was playing soccer in fourth grade and I picked it for like my, my Jersey. And the guy was like, that's a very unlucky number. And it just like, <laughs> At that point, I was like, well, I, I was like, I was going to prove him wrong. I'm like, well, I want it. It's my favorite number. Um, and it's kind of developed over the years. And then when I became obsessed with horror movies and all things evil, mm-hmm. my mom said the wrong thing to me by, when I was younger. She's like, the horror movies don't bother me. Just one's about the devil. Then, of course, I was like, okay, now I'm only watching movies about the devil. <laughs> um, so, But then I also fell in love with, like, I read us actually started with reading a book about Nikki six and Motley Crue and was really inspired by just his story and how he really like envisioned that band and then made it a thing. Um, so at one point I was really just like stealing his name as like a fun nickname and it, <laughs> it became so much more than bigger than I thought it would be. And I'm like, I don't really want to be like, I don't want to have a nickname as a director. I want to have my name. Like I'm not, you know, that's like that works for like a host type thing or something, but like I'm me, I'm not a character directing. So I just want to, I was like, as a director, I'm going to go back to my name, but keep that six around because people know me that way. And my, like you, you guys experienced, my last name is not easy to say. It isn't, it isn't, which uh, it's, it's a cool name. I'll, I'll give you that. And I, I, I do practice it every time you're on. And I and I nail it for then right when we go live I always kind of this time I think I was the closest in, in the third, uh, appearances. You That's did true. do a good I, job. I am Neil's witness because like he'll get a name down, and then at the last second I think he second you know like just doubts himself and then throws it out the window and goes with a different pronunciation and screws up a name. Yeah, yeah. It's not too, it's too, well, uh, the guy who had directed a Serbian film, that was a tough one. Uh, Serge and Spasadrivic, but, uh, uh <laughs> but it's, it's, I was going to say, what is his name? <laughs> I think I practice it so much, I just have it memorized now. But, uh, I might you know be what? totally mispronouncing ne- it, so. <laughs> you know You've never crazy? seen the movie? I, I have not seen that. Mm. Nope, I've been scared too. <laughs> uh, I I like it. I actually think it, I think it's a well made movie, and very well acted. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but it definitely isn't for everybody. Uh, it's uh, you know, there's some definitely uh, tough scenes to, to watch. In a way, I liked it better the second time because then, like, you know, like the the real crazy scenes are coming, so you kind of watch it more as a movie as opposed to just like, hey, you know, newborn porn is coming up. Today. <laughs> But exactly. I, I, I think yeah. that once I watch it, it'll probably be not as not as horrible because I have built it up in my mind for so long. Oh but, yeah, yep. But that, that I've is, also yeah. some of those kind of films that are like super disturbing, like that. 
I'm like before I watched them for so many years, I think like I'm not gonna like it. This is like like that's all it is. And a lot of them have surprised me. Like, well, this is actually like a good film. It's yeah. not just you know disturbing. Right. Yeah. Honestly, going into uh, uh, Human Centipede, I felt like I wouldn't like it. I just thought, well. What is it, you know, oh, he, he sews these guys' ass to mouth, but what, what is, happens after that? But then I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is a really good movie. And Yeah, uh, and then you had to convince me, because I was dragging my feet, too. I'm like, I don't want to watch this movie, dude. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, no, I think you'd really like it. It's got a cool, like, you know, mad yeah, scientist was, vibe yeah. to it. And I'm like, I don't know. And then I watched it, I ended up loving it. Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, it's uh, surprising. I feel like Human Centipede... Like I almost laugh saying this, but like it's actually like a very artfully made film. Like mm-hmm. it's, I agree. It's not just some like low brow. Like there's plenty of these like sh- horribly made films that I've seen. I'm sorry to say that, like are just trying to like gross you out as much yeah. as humanly possible. There's like literally nothing else to the film, but that film is like well made. It's smart. It's like right. it's extremely stylish. Like. I love the first and second one. I'm admittedly not a big fan of the third one, but <laughs> yeah, I think we're all in agreement. Yeah, I'm agree. Yeah, I'm a total agreement there. I always, I kind of hate to bring it up uh, about the third one, but I totally agree. First two are great, and both of them are well shot. I do think that the first two movies, like you said, are so artfully done. Uh, you know, even just the cinematography and everything. In my opinion, the third movie is uh, intentionally. Uh, I don't want to say bad, but not artistic. I think that was part of. I think that's his intention. This is my. This is my take on it. Is the third movie is his his way of making fun of Amer of big budget American remakes of movies, and since he couldn't afford a bunch of explosions, um, uh, uh, the Dieter Laser is his explosion in the movie because every line (laughs) is a screamed. That's my opinion on that. I have no idea if I'm I agree I with you. Totally wrong, but yeah. I hope I do think right. that was a comment on on our on it, but but still, it it was like. <laughs> I agree. I it's still because I love I love Lawrence, but I the movie's oh, yeah. not good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I love Dieter, and like too. you said about yeah. Laser, yeah. but but he was but Laser, I couldn't stand in that film. Like like oh, you said, yeah. he he yells yeah. every single line. Mm-hmm. I really feel like that Tom Six had no control over that guy. Like he just did whatever he wanted. And I'm like, why is he yelling every single line? Like I honestly wouldn't have finished watching the film if it wasn't because I love Lawrence so much. Yeah. From what I understand, uh, cause I've had Dieter on several times. He didn't want to play the role like that. It's why he didn't want to do the movie originally. So really? Know. Yeah. And they just wanted him to be so over the top. Yeah. Yeah, that one, it's kind of like if that's, you know, I, I know you've said it before. It's kind of like the Andy Kaufman thing where the idea is great that it's like your big spoof on things and it's kind mm-hmm. of a stick it to the man. Yeah. But then I, when you actually watch it, it's like, Jesus, it's a terrible movie. Yeah, I think it's sort of like Freddy, Freddy Got Fingered. I like the idea of Freddy Got Fingered that, that Tom Green made this movie and tried to put all this stuff in it that like, he knew was bad and like should mm-hmm. be in a movie, but it doesn't really necessarily make the movie. Good, <laughs> yeah, you don't <laughs> really need to ever see the movie after yeah, that. Though. Yeah, but I like exactly. I like the idea, and I like I like almost everybody in it. So, it, like I said, oh, yeah. it's very hard to to say to talk about. 
The first two are great. Yep, agreed. But a Serbian film, that that's the only movie that our mom, Troy and I, her brothers, our mom watched after I talked about, and she just kind of looked at me and said, what is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, my God, your mother watched it? <laughs> she did watch well, she, it. She likes horror flicks as much as we do. Uh-huh. But uh, she, uh, she, she just thought, like, what is wrong with that you? That was out of our wheelhouse, so I think. Yeah. I, I actually watch Human Centipede 2 with our mom. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I told this to, uh, to Lawrence the first time I met him. So when, uh, f- when Lawrence is there in his bedroom, my mom looked at it and she said, hey, that's you in 20 years. <laughs> and so when I told that to oh Lawrence, my God. <laughs> when I told that to Lawrence, he said, "In twenty years?" I was like, "Well, I guess more like in three years." <laughs> that's that's amazing. Yeah, my mom wouldn't watch this crap. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like why I watch. Well, I mean, I probably, probably like them anyway. But my earliest memory of uh, seeing a horror movie is uh, Troy's nine years older than me, a you know, single mom, so she would take me along to the drive-in you know, instead of being a babysitter. Or whatever. And I remember uh, I was like six or five or six and saw Night of the Living Dead in the drive-in, and I and I apparently started to cry uh, when the car when the truck explodes and they start eating everybody. And our mom just told me, oh, it's okay. I was having a barbecue. And then I was okay with, uh, yeah, and with it after that. We were completely <laughs> calm. Yeah. Just having a barbecue. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. That's cool then. Yeah. But I turned out uh, totally fine, I, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You're a good man. You're a perfect study for um, <laughs> it's good to show horror movies to kids. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, you mentioned a website, and you mentioned uh, what? Are, oh, we mentioned some of the things you can get uh, if you um, donate uh, for the stylist. So, what? I hate to ask this question, but what happens if you don't uh, get the money for the stylist in the Kickstarter? That is a great question. Um, <laughs> we will find a damn way to make this movie, one way or another. Mm-hmm. I good. can't not make this movie. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, good. I I, I want to see it. And uh, how can uh, you? How can people follow you yourself on uh, Twitter or social media? Um, at Jill Six at on all the social medias, um, or you can and you can follow the stylist at the stylist film. We're on everything: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can keep up with the campaign and see all the stuff we're doing. Yeah. Oh, and I want to give a shout out to uh, another uh, mutual friend of ours. That's uh, uh, well, the Kaufmans, both of them, but uh, Erica Kaufman, who is uh, very happy that you were coming on the show. Love Erica and Zach; they're amazing. I feel like I see them more, like when we're both out of town at a convention, than, <laughs> and we both live in the same city. Is what I'm saying. Like, oh, okay, all right, that was okay. But, but you know, they're they're always for those who don't know, they have their company atomic cotton yeah they make amazing shirts and so they're always at a convention somewhere in the country every weekend i never know where <laughs> yeah 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 i have a lot they have I, I, I awesome shirts which i have to buy new ones because uh when i used to buy atomic concerts i was wearing 4x shirts and now i wear extra large sometimes a large so i need to restock on my horror shirts congratulations on that thank you very much thank you very much 
And if anyone's out there who wants some cool horse shirts, because uh, I know some of those sizes are hard to find, uh, I'm going to sell them at some point. Or maybe I'll there skip you away. Go. I don't know. But yeah, the great people and uh, and great shirts. And and Lou Rusconi, also a great guy, and his art uh, is is always awesome. But uh, the uh, that really that poster for um, for the stylist, I just love that. Thank you. Yeah. Everyone go on our Kickstarter and order it. Exactly. Only place you can get it. Exactly. Well, this was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. It's always a good time having you on the show. Oh, absolutely. Yes, thank you so much. All right. So, uh, everyone, check out the stylist on the Kickstarter. First, go watch the, the short. I highly recommend it. It's great. Not just because you're <laughs> here. I really dug it. What someone has told me in the past... <laughs> Yeah, that I that if you li- if you're like if you listen weekly, you could kind of know uh, if I really like something or not because I'll say not just because they're here. This is good, and apparently I don't say that all the time. <laughs> oh man, now you're in That's trouble. The <laughs> now everybody's gonna go back and check out now each other. Now you've got to like you've got to make sure you say this every time from yeah, now no, no I just got to pretend. Yeah, oh, you son of a bitch! Why did you say <laughs> that? You know, you didn't say that with mine. <laughs> yeah, I probably should have mentioned that. But uh, so, <laughs> go check it out and then go and uh, go to go donate. Donate like said, if you got ten grand, cool. But even if you got five or ten bucks, that's really cool too. Yes, yes, please. Very good. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you soon. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye.
Hi, this is Terry McMinn from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the girl on the meat hook, and you're listening to Without Your Head. All right, and welcome back here to the station of decapitation without your head, and I am still Nasty Neil. And I remain terrible, Troy. Mm-hmm. And a big thanks to Jill for coming on the show. Let's try this again. Big thanks to Jill Gavargazian. Nice. I I nailed it. All right. It is a cool name, too. It's a good name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a stylist is great. I really do recommend it. I loved it. And I look forward to uh, seeing a feature version. And One Last Meal is is really fun, too. Is uh, it? I, yeah, I really I always like her stuff. Mm-hmm. The um, Call Girl was great. Yeah, love that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and always, uh, always fun having her on the show. Good, good, good. Yeah. Agreed. I, I met her years ago at A Days of the Dead, but I think at the time, like, I met her, but I really didn't know her. Yeah. But uh, one of these days we'll uh, meet at a festival. Okay. She's going to be at the Rock and Shock or any of those crazy things? Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. But I know she does a lot of festivals. I think, she does more, uh, I think now she does more festivals than conventions, but I don't know. Oh, okay. But but our friend John Dugan will be at a Rock and Shock this year. That's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, so... Uh, and we got to get out there and and, and meet and uh, see John. It's been, I think, like six years. Been way too long. Yeah, it's weird. He used to see him every couple months. Yep, yep. But this is good stuff. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's his first time being at Rock and Shock. Oh, too cool. Yeah, that'd be very cool. Richard Roundtree will be on uh, the program uh, later tonight. Excellent. And not chaff. Not shaft, okay. Richard. Round, no yeah, no D w. in this round tree. Oh, it's a round tree, not a round tree. Right, right. And uh, his film *Nefarious*, which I get to see at Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival. So, Neil, you haven't been here for a couple of weeks. What? Where have you been, and how was it? Ah, so I was in Buffalo for Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival. Hmm. Which is a, a great time. Seven days of movies. Nice. Lots of movies, lots of shorts, uh, lots of buffalo wings, and <laughs> lots of beef on whack. Nice. But you, I, uh, the buffalo wings, I can't, I'm going to just be honest. They're not the best in Buffalo. They're, they're fine. Yeah. But the beef on whack, that's, that's what to get. Uh, that's a great sandwich. And that's uh, where it's at, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I got a, a ton of interviews nice. and uh, at the show, and then I've also set some up uh, like Richard, because uh, this it wasn't uh, time wise, it, it wasn't feasible to to get everyone in. Right. But a lot of stuff. Uh, I hate to even start naming names because I'll forget people. But uh, check out without your head. Check out our Facebook group. There's a bunch of uh, pictures up there. And uh, hopefully, probably start next week. I'll start getting the. Uh, there, I have twelve hours of footage, so I'm gonna edit Whoa. a lot of video editing. I'm not gonna just edit all that into one giant video, but uh, right. I'm gonna start putting up Q and A's and interviews. Some of the interviews are long, which uh, a lot of times you don't get really long interviews uh, in video. I know a lot of times mm-hmm. on the podcast will go long, but um, there's a couple uh, interviews over an hour. Wow. 
my uh, my breakfast with Lindsay Cat is uh, it was over an hour. Uh, filmmaker musician that'd be, that's fun. That was filmed at the Cracker Barrel. Nice. Which I do not recommend the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> that's pretty awesome in itself. Uh, John, John, our former uh, co-host here, Jittery John. That's like his favorite place. Uh-huh. I think he was actually like legit mad when I said I didn't like it. Oh really? But, uh, I don't know. It's 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 if you like very bland, unseasoned food, uh-huh. <laughs> it's a place for you. Yeah, in large quantities, it's it's good. It's it's for you. Okay, so it's a quantity over quality place, right? Not a drop of salt or pepper or any seasoning on anything. Oh man, so the hash browns were good. I'll give them that. They good hash browns. All right. E- eggs, bland, steak was okay. And then all the fixins, which was grits, which were completely flavorless. <laughs> and uh and and the biscuits and gravy. I don't know how you mess up biscuits and gravy, but the, they were they were not good. No way. Not good. Wow. But who you know, this is not a podcast about the uh about the cracker barrel. Okay. This isn't the feed your head uh, podcast. But I did see a lot of great movies. Um, I I was hoping uh, Mitten would be here so we could do a big review, but uh, I should have came from more prepared and wrote everything down. But the. um, Well, we can wait, Dale, if you want. We can always wait till Yeah, we'll we'll try to get Mitten on here. Yeah, because I like it when I listen to both of you, because then sometimes you guys will give me two different stories. That's right, because he'll lie and I'll tell you the truth. And when when your lies don't match his lies, then you know <laughs> uh-huh. something's gotta something's gotta give. Yeah. So it was a weird thing. It was my first time going away since I've uh, changed my diet and everything. So like I'd feel guilty if I ate a little bit of something like I don't normally eat. Oh, okay. So I spent like hours a day in the gym. That's kind of cool though. Yeah, it worked out good. It was a good time. I had a really good time. Uh, so from Buff- Buffalo was great. Uh, met tons of people. Really, that's a. I love watching the movies, but a highlight of the festivals for me are getting to meet, uh, you know, all the other filmmakers, oh, and film fans. I had two films shown. I was in Reed Unbound. My first time getting to see it. It's a documentary about Joel Reed. Oh, awesome! I kind of felt like a lunatic because. Everyone's up there talking about how crazy a movie uh, Bloodsucking Freaks is, mm-hmm. you know, and how like uh, insane and like uh, and how, you know, uh, just it's very like an element. I would say like negative, but, you know, it's just like, you know, you a disturbing movie. And, and then I pop up and I'm like, oh, I think it's pretty lighthearted. <laughs> and everybody's like, whoa, who the hell is this crazy? Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, that that was very that was cool. Adrian Esposito's uh, documentary about uh, Joel Reed. I'm a big fan of Joel Reed. And then uh, Umbilicus Desidero, my short film, uh, played and uh, it played before Catcher in the Rye with Diamonds. Nice, which I love the title of. Yeah, so that was that was a great time. It was nice. a great it was a great uh, great pay, uh, place to have my short. Oh, I bet I bet it was. Because it, it was a lot of people there to see the movie, and it played beforehand, and it got the reaction I wanted. Awesome. 
which I'm always nervous about. Oh, yeah. Yep. People liked it. That's excellent. That makes me very happy. Well, let's see. So it was a good time. Like I said, we'll try to do uh, next week. We'll get uh, my man Mitten on and we'll uh, do a big recap. And if he doesn't do it, we'll beat his ass. That's it. We'll hunt him down. Beat the shit out of Jason Mitten. He deserves it. But then uh, from there, I went to Chicago. And how long were you there? Four days? Uh, Three days. It was gone 10 days total. Uh, to Chicago for StarCast and AEW All Out uh, pro wrestling event. Nice. And I had a really good time. Uh, my boy Chi Town Matt showed me the city and uh, and uh, showed me a bunch of good food. Ooh, but then I realized why people in Chicago were very big. Because <laughs> there's some. Well, you went to two like big guy places. That's true, Buffalo and Chicago. Yeah, but I I I feel that Chicago's harder to to eat well in. Is well, that not, not necessarily eat well? You could eat really good, but it's harder to eat uh, healthy. Oh, okay. Yep. But uh, I had a really good time. I had a good, uh, possibly the best steak I ever had. Oh, awesome! That's always and, uh, a good thing. Yeah, deep dish pizza, which I I don't believe is real pizza, but it still is good once in a while. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually delicious, but it's not what I consider actual pizza. It's all right. Insane. What was that? That link? Oh, it's a link. I see. I was scared for a moment. <laughs> you thought I was sending you like some kind of crazy thing. Uh, so uh, let's see here. Coming up is the Rhode Island Comic Con. So yeah, that's pretty- a different one, Neil, than than the one you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. The one I was talking about um, is actually in Massachusetts. I thought I was in Rhode Island. Oh, okay. But check out like the guest lineup. It's insane at this thing. Yeah, Batista from uh, I know him as a wrestler, but a lot of people know him from Gardens of the Galaxy. Fucking wild Bill Shatner. Yeah, Bill Shatner, Chevy Chase. Yep. George Takei. Benedict Wong, who I love. Yeah, that guy's cool. You even got Hodor there. Mm, Hold the door. Wow, Elijah Wood. Yep. That's mad cool. Him and Carl Urban, too. And then that's just like the top celebs. And when you go down... Mm-hmm. There's a ton more people like just under that. Yeah, there's people from Star Wars and damn, it's just Anthony a loaded Michael thing. Michael Hall, mm-hmm. the kid that's fat man in Gotham. Oh yeah, you think he'd be a top top? Yeah, player. maybe it's because the show's off now. Because um, mm-hmm. it's also got uh oh the guy that was the penguin in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I really liked him a lot. And a bunch of wrestlers. You got Kurt yeah. Angle. You got Moxley's going to be there. How cool is that? Yeah. Lou Ferrigno. That's so pretty I, sweet. I think we should go to this thing. Yeah, Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. Patrick Renner from the Sandlot. I think one of the guys from the Village People, too. Oh, yeah, Randy Jones. Yep. Man, that's pretty cool. Got some walking dead people. Yeah. Asian Glenn is there. Yep. You hit him with a bat. 
<laughs> you think anyone does that? I just walk up and that would be a good photo. <laughs> that would be great. You get the barbed wire bat. You just hold over its head. Yeah, he has like a dangling eyeball. That would be pretty sweet. That is always weird. The, the Negan character is so great. I, I, he's one of my favorite characters in the comic, and uh, I actually think he might be my favorite character on the television show. Sweet. But uh, the thing is, he's such a good character. People like him, and then they try to make him a good guy. And it's like if the man beat their friend's head in in front of his, in front of his pregnant wife, it's like you yeah, can net. That's you're never good. gonna like. You're never no. gonna like the guy. No, I can't imagine like warming up. To, ah, you know, he's not such a bad. No, he probably is. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I finally, I'm a little behind, but I get the, um, I get the books for The Walking Dead. Oh, uh-huh. the trade books. Uh, they collect the six, uh, the last six issues, and so I read the the final uh, Walking Dead when I was on the plane. Oh, and so it's so, the all time final. Yeah, so the uh, the previous I'm a huge fan of the comic book, as people yep. know, and uh, so you we had a lot of different storylines, uh, you know, some high stuff. Uh, the the whispers was great. That was the best storyline after uh, the Negan stuff, mm-hmm. and then it really went downhill after that, quite a bit. And uh, it was nice that uh, they had a great ending because then it ended oh, on a I? high high note as opposed to. Uh, with this kind of shitty storyline. The storyline was needed because it it kind of uh, progresses, you know, where where the, I don't want to give it away because it it was, some of it was spoiled for me already. Like, uh, you know, some main characters that died and the comic people posted on Facebook. So I don't want to do that. But uh, the final, um, the final bit goes quite a bit into the future and shows what happens to everybody. And, And I like that. Mm. And not only was uh, the comic book a good ending, uh, there's a right, uh, I forget the guy who writes uh, Walking Dead, but uh, he talks about the decision to end it. And like, uh, it's uh, very emotional because he was not even sure if it's the right thing to do because he already misses it. Mm. But he, he tried to write more story and he just said that he kept coming to the conclusion he's writing filler just to prolong the story. Yep. And he just knew it was time to end it. That's that's the best, though, I think, like, you know, even if you end up missing it, it's, you know, it's kind of like a really great show or movie. Like once once everything said that you want to say, then it's time to go. Yeah, I mean, don't uh, stick around. Dexter would have been so much better if it ended after the Trinity Killer. Oh, yeah. Yep. And we would have been like, wow, it's too bad there wasn't more. But then we got more and it's like, well, uh, this this isn't good. I was <laughs> right. The crappiest ending ever. Yeah. Yeah. And some of those seasons were just bad. Like it wasn't, yep. it wasn't a good show anymore. And, um, uh, breaking bad is excellent from beginning to end. Yep. That's a perfect example. I think of like yeah. something, right. And you, you know, I miss it, but at the same time, it's like, well, what I'd rather have it, have a perfect ending and no downtime as opposed to dragging out just so I have more show. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think there's any question at all. Uh, I I, mean, I was a big fan of Sons of Anarchy, but uh, the last couple seasons of it was definitely uh, went on too long. Oh, really? They kind I think of the, jumped the shark on it. Yeah. The, fi- the final episode I thought was very good. Uh-huh. 
but uh, the last couple seasons were not particularly good. It was it was just clear that they they dragged it out past yep. the point it needed to be it needed to go. But uh, you know you, you know a lot of shows are like that. That's why jumping the shark is a term. Exactly. Yep. It's it's not so much now since you have these shows that they're like twelve episodes a season, as opposed to back in the day when. Well, I mean there are shows like that. I just don't watch them, so maybe maybe they're really bad too. But you know oh, when like you have the shows sitcom type things, yeah, yeah, which I guess isn't really a big thing anymore. There are some, but it's not like it used to be. Right. Right. Well, they still they still have the same plot line that goes back to like the honeymooners, so they're probably pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So it was cool to see my short. People dug it. That is that's that's mad cool, chief. I see Tom Atkins is coming back. He's doing a movie. No, really, that's tremendous. He's in the collected, which is I I don't know if I've seen the collector and the collection. It's like a trilogy, this uh, horror movie trilogy. I should go check them oh. out. Since they made three of them, but he's going to yeah. be in, in this new one, the collector. I mean, well, the, the collected. Ah, that's really cool too. Then, because I I like the first one. I never saw the second one. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen the first one. Oh, okay. Bad man. I saw some people on the Facebook arguing about uh, Dr. Sleep, and it was very, uh, to me, it was completely ridiculous. Because mm-hmm. they were saying that they should, instead of having a you know big actor playing Danny, they should brought back the kid who played Danny in The Shining. And it's like, that guy never acted again. <laughs> like, they're yeah, not going to be great. They're not going to bring back this. Un- well, first of all, he's unknown. And he's not even like an actor anymore. He act. He was a child actor, never acted again. Right. Like, who knows if he wants to do the movie? I know exactly. And like, you know, who's going to be able to tell that? You know, hey, that's not the kid from the movie from forty something years ago. Right. Right. But what what the what was interesting that came up in all this like in my opinion just you know ridiculous uh, uh, banter was that um, in the trailer they show clips of the of the original of the Shining movie Kubrick's mm-hmm. movie so you know Doctor Sleep is the new book by Stephen King and the Shining movie made by Kubrick is uh, you know. Much different than the book. Right. So is this movie then a sequel to the Kubrick film or is it an adaptation of the book or is it kind of a a combination of the two? I'd have to say it's probably, um, you know, they're probably just going back because there's not that that much – like the uh, the memories that that Danny has from his childhood in in Doctor Sleep, that they've got to draw like a ton on, but like I guess when he's you know thinking about his old man and you know thinking about what happened in the room mm-hmm. and all that, right? So like this, for instance, instead of him having thoughts of his father with the croquet mallet, they're going to have mm-hmm. an axe, and they're going to have the the maze and stuff. 
But I, th- I think you kind of have to do that because in a lot of people's minds, I mean, Shining is a huge movie. Oh, and yeah. So, and a lot of those images are iconic. So it would be weird, I think, to suddenly have completely different imagery. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I don't think you could like, um, you know, and it's it would be kind of like backtracking, you know, doing the TV movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because not really people it. many know that. Yeah. Right, exactly. And be like, hey, why is the guy from Wings his old man? Where's Jack? What the hell's right. going on? You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the one big thing, I guess, is um, the Scatman Crothers character, because in the book, he survives. And I believe right. he's he's part of the, the Dr. Sleep book. I see, because um, he shows up in in um, in the Talisman, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's in Dr. Sleep. Oh, from what, because I, what I read, was, uh, maybe they're just mistaken, but they said that they, uh, he's in the book, and then so in the movie version, they call him, a, he's like a different character. That's Oh, character. okay. I, I mean, I'll have, I'd have to go back and check, but I, I don't think he is. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've never read it, so I don't know. Right, right. But you really like the book, right? Love the book. I think the book is tremendous. It's I think the only, um, I think there's only been a couple of King uh, books that he's done a sequel to, mm-hmm. and the other one was the Talisman that he did with Peter Strom, and um, the Talisman is also one of my favorite like King books. It's just so good, mm-hmm. and then the sequel, the Black House, I think it's called is great for 95% of it, and the ending is just so suck. It's just like they seem to just want to stop make or stop writing the book, and then the ending's just thrown together. It's a mess. Hated the ending. That's a shame. Yep. But if they ever, if they ever make a movie or a miniseries, I think it would lend itself really well to, like, a miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, or, or like a one season, uh, you know, like HBO show or something. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be all in for that. Hmm. Interesting. So um, a movie I'm going to go see this week. Well, there's actually a couple movies I'm going to go see. Um, well, one big one we'll talk about in a second. But uh, Midsummer Director's Cut, it has a, nice. uh, it's out there. In most places, it's just one showing. I've noticed other people saying the same thing. So uh, here in Boston, it's one showing at 4.15 on Friday and Saturday. So nice. I'm going to go see that. It's a, like an extra half hour to the movie. It's three, three, almost a nearly three hour version. Wow. I was going to ask that. Like how much extra is there in it? Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. And also I'm really looking forward to as well. I'm looking forward to both of them. Uh, it chapter two. Mm. Totally excited for that one too. I love the, the first chapter and I'm very excited to see the, the second one. Yep. Me too. I'm staying away from spoilers. Yep, try to stay away as best we can because you know somebody's gonna try to spoil it. Mm-hmm. It was cool. I just I just watched um, the honest trailer for the old. Uh, it, oh yeah, and it was yeah. funny because they were talking about you know the, how they were hoping that the second movie wasn't going to be such a drag like the second half of the miniseries was, mm-hmm. and I don't remember it being a drag, but all the clips they were showing looked. You know, little humdrum compared to the first half. Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
But I saw uh, one of our guests on that was from the uh, uh, from the original one shared that himself. He thought it was comical. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, 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 the the honest trailers always amuse me, even if it's a movie that you love or, you know, a show or whatever. You know, it's always good to see that and not to take it quite so seriously. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know? I agree. They're, they're, they're always uh, very fun, I think. Yeah. Just don't get all mad. Like, people, I, I don't, I, I've come to this conclusion that, uh, that our podcast, In Your Head and Without Your Head, that it's like reading Cutter Sane novels, <laughs> Sutter, Sutter Kane novels, Sutter Kane. That it, it drives you insane because it seems like so many people. <laughs> well, like be, the Necronomicon. Yeah, it's like the, they'll be fine or somewhat fine. No one's really that fine. This is true. <laughs> but the, they're all right. And then all of a sudden they'll just go fucking batshit crazy. Hmm. Just this week, there was this guy on Facebook. And you think we're the catalyst for this, huh? I guess. I don't know. I, I posted a stupid picture of this uh, this um, statue that's in Worcester. It's uh, I call it the uh, Turtle Boy. Mm-hmm. And it's supposedly a, a boy riding a turtle, but it just looks like a, a boy just you know fucking a turtle. <laughs> okay. Oh, yep. Yep. I've seen that one. It's very bizarre. And so, uh, so this dude, he's just like... Uh, He's like, oh, that's uh, the retelling or whatever he said of uh, Shape of Water. And I was like, well, if anything, Shape of Water would have been based on this statue. Because it's much older, the statue. Yeah. And he was like, ah, oh, well, no one would base a movie off a statue. And I was like, well, how do you know? <laughs> and he was just like, uh, he's like, ah, oh, because it's uh, the unofficial remake of the creature from the black lagoon and then so i replied that's just a cover-up and the uh, statue also predates the creature now i think that's clearly like i'm just messing around uh-huh he just goes batshit crazy he goes man i'm getting really sick of you trying to fucking talk to you every fucking thing i say on any post you have to fucking contradict a lot of fucks a lot of fun <laughs> and then he I follows mean- it up eat shit neil Wow. What was there any, have you contradicted him often or? Well, that's what I put out there. Someone said, you do contradict people. And I was like, well, if someone has a, as a bad, a dumb opinion, I'm going to, I'm not going to agree with it. Right. Right. And what am I supposed to do? Just say, yeah, you're right. They, <laughs> yeah, they, you're right. You're wrong, but uh, you're right. Yeah. They based this hundred year old statue off a movie from three years ago. <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe maybe it was a time traveler. Yes. And so then he went on to message me. He said to me private messages, call me an ass. This starts off, you fucking asshole. What's your problem? Wow. And he's just like, so I unfriended him. Uh-huh. And then he's like, I thought we were friends. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? Just how like you talk to your friends? You just like eat shit, you fucking asshole. And, <laughs> and then he's like, I'm done with you. And so I was like, is this like the old like sitcom routine? You can't, you can't fire me. I quit. Right. Right. But I already in front of the dude. So it's just very bizarre. Then, then I feel bad. Cause then he posts a thing. Like I can't see it, but I've been told and I've been sent screenshots. He's just like, a, he's like, I give up. He's like giving up on Facebook because like 
I unfriended him, but I don't know, dude. Like, I, if you want to be friends with somebody, I don't think you tell them to eat shit and call them an <laughs> asshole. No, probably not. I've never called them an asshole. Like, I ever swore to the man. Never told. I've never told. I don't think I've ever told anyone to eat shit. <laughs> no, that that's kind of weird. Yeah, and then uh, this other one. I get this message. He said, you know, I hate you guys, right? right? No, he goes, I know. Well, he said that. Then he corrects himself. I know. You know, I hate your guts, right? You one inch, John, and Troy, too. Troy, the toy. If I could have, this would be better in a death letter to you. <laughs> and then he posted some crazy ass thing about wanting to rape us all. And I don't know. I, I guess I I just want to assume he's trying to be funny. That's, yeah, that's a little weird. It wasn't like I'm not sitting here laughing, but I, I assume he's I. It's either that or this man wants to kill and rape us. So it could be. You never know. Or rape and kill us. I don't know. It's fucking weird. So and this is like a guy's listening to the podcast for like for like over ten years. Wow. I think both of them. I think the other guy came around 2011. You think he's? I think he said he met us at the first days of dead. So, so what I'm saying is, these people have been like. I well, neither of them's been normal, but have, uh-huh. have been like have been like decent people, and then all of a sudden, bam, fucking nuts, fucking just batshit loon, Looney Tunes. Oh, same thing with Charlie Bucket. Oh Rick. yeah. Yep. Yep. So I don't know. I just, I just, I think we should put a warning on the show. I hope you enjoy it, but it, it can make you, it can turn you insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we got like what, like a six, seven year shelf life, and then maybe. after that, or depending on the person. Like oh, that's a good maybe idea. if they're a little predisposed for a little crazy, right. then. See, I can't blame the show on. I can't blame Robbie on, on for the show because he's always been. Nuts. Yeah, he was that way coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of them just go crazy after a while. I don't get it, but but uh, they're all good men, I'll say. They're all good people. Yep, yep. All good people. Just fucking crazy. Just, yeah, bad shit crazy, but good people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just want to put that there. Uh, also, uh, next week uh, will be our uh, Rob Zombie 3 from Hell show. Nice. Richard oh, that's Brake. next week? Yes. Nice. Richard Brake will be here. Oh, sweet. So looking uh, forward to that. Scary man. Emilio Rivera will be on the show. You're going to have to refresh me on that. Uh, you, you haven't seen the movie yet, but he's, oh, okay. he's in the movie. And he's also uh, he's the leader of the Mayans and Sons of Anarchy. Oh, nice. Okay. And I just talked to him earlier today. The return of one of our favorite guests, Bill Mosley. Oh, sweet! That's awesome. That's gonna be pretty awesome. Uh, these will all these just because uh, they're being set up through Lionsgate. They're gonna be pre-recorded, just so people know. So it might pop up as a podcast. I'm not sure of the details yet. But live next week, we're gonna have the cast and the director of my favorite film from Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival. The final interview. Love this movie. Great. Okay. I'm looking forward to that too then. Yeah. So we'll have uh, the two leads and the director, Fred Vogel, on the show. Ah, very good. Very exciting. 
But yeah, I, I would highly recommend it. Uh, the one movie I didn't get to see at Buffalo that I really wanted to see was um, Depraved, which is Larry Fassenden's uh, modern-day Frankenstein. Ooh. I had to leave Thursday, so I didn't get to see it. It won Best of the Fest. Uh, oh, did it really? Yeah. Wow. But good news, it's having a limited release uh, uh, theatrical run, and it's playing uh, September 28th at Coolidge After Midnight. Oh, wow. At the Coolidge Corner Theater in Brookline. But check it out, Depraved website. It's playing at some other theaters across the country, maybe near you. But I'm very excited. I'm going to go uh, be able to catch the movie on the big screen. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds like a ton of fun. And as you as everyone know, I, I love Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, ditto. So definitely looking forward to that. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, what else is going on in the world of the of the terrible one? Um, I'm pretty excited. I finished the last of our monsters for the new oh, calendar. Yeah. Yes. And the T-shirts. Yes, so classic uh, RPG monsters. Mm-hmm. And it was good seeing uh, some photos of cats wearing those. Yeah, yeah. Taz of the Greek, even though yep. he's like totally crazy, he, he's wearing <laughs> he's wearing some shirts. Very cool. So you got him wearing shirts now. This is good. He's not walking around naked. It's very true. Michael Epstein uh, at Genre Blast was uh, sporting uh, the gelatinous cube. Oh, awesome. That is too cool. Also, his cameo in um, in uh, Half Cocked, mm-hmm. uh, really cool short on the on the festivals right now. He is wearing one of last year's B movie monster shirts. Oh no way! That is too cool. So uh, big big ups to uh, that's what the kids say. I think big ups, big ups, big ups. To, to Michael Epstein. He's a good man. Very cool. No matter what you hear about him, and you hear terrible things, but he, he's a good man. On a daily basis, usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because someone says something about him, and it's, it probably is true, but yep. uh, he can also be a good guy. All right. All right. You just you keep, like, the, uh, the meat tenderizers away from him, and he's not so bad. Exactly. So American Horror Story, the new one's uh, 1984. Maybe about slashers, 80 slashers. Oh, that sounds kind of cool. It does sound pretty cool. I have to say, like, uh, that's really, it's weird because it's totally overdone, uh, 80s nostalgia. But I I genuinely, I generally always like it. Uh Uh-huh. I usually like the 80s nostalgia. You won't belong. No, no. I mean, I, I get sick of the idea of it because it's yep. just on. It's everywhere. But um, I do think it's kind of. It, I'm gonna be honest. It's a it's a little cheap to do to do this when there's so much of it already. Well, I think maybe I'm going out on a limb, uh-huh. and I'm gonna say you're gonna like this season, and I'll give you the reason. All right. I think because two things that you start off with okay, and then like. Usually second or third episode, they get under your skin. And one is the 80s flashback movies or series. Uh-huh. And the other one being just 
American horror story in general. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. I think only one season do I actually like from beginning to end. <laughs> so I think maybe the two combined. Mm, they'll offset. It's like a double negative. Yep, exactly. So I ha- I'm going out on a limb, going to say you're going to enjoy this entire season. Mm-hmm. And I'll been, be the one that uh, hates it. I've been corrected by Mr. Lamberson, Gregory Lamberson. It's Fessenden, Larry Fessenden. I oh. forget what I said. I missed. I probably. I. I probably said fastened. I don't know what the hell I said, but it's Larry Fessenden. Okay. And that was. Who makes uh the the the, the depraved? Oh, okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Mister. And by the way, it's Umbilicus Desidero. It's not. It's not Neil Neil's uh, belly button movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just missed it. I thought we were talking about Chuck Bednarik. <laughs> Who is Chuck Bednarik? Bednarik, he uh, he, he was an old linebacker. Uh, he had the the greatest hit ever. If you ever oh. see, like, uh, he he knocks the absolute flying fuck out of uh, oh god, the old Giants running back. Hmm. Um, back in like I think it must have been the sixties. And he was he was a hitting machine. Huh. Yeah. I don't know why that name made me think of the name that you had just mentioned. I don't know, but it did. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to a creep show coming to Shutter. Oh, that's going to be awesome! I think that's going to be good times had by all. Yeah, I, I get a little when nervous. I get a little nervous because I love creep show. People know it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh yeah! So it's like this is exciting, but then it's also what if it, what if it doesn't live up to my expectations? Yep, yep. And I I watched the trailer and I was definitely intrigued by most of the stuff. They just some of the things they just look a little bit on maybe like maybe the inexpensive kind of side. Yeah, I don't think the creeper looks very good. No, no. But I don't know. I mean, maybe when you get it in context with the whole sure, thing, sure. it'll make sense. Right, right. I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yep. But I, but I'm just saying I could I could I could be setting myself up to to, to be let down. Oh, definitely, definitely. The first episode uh, streams September 26th. Oh, very nice. Okay, definitely looking forward to that. Um, uh, I've so been listening. Six, so just real quick, it's six oh, episodes, sure. and one will be released every Tuesday, every Thursday, every Thursday, oh, just like without your head. That's awesome. That's great. I love that they're doing that. Yeah, maybe we'll try to. Well, it's probably be hard to watch them before we do the show. But, but we can kind of talk about. Well, yeah, you're right. Oh well, that's a good idea. We could talk about the the weeks before. That way, we don't yep. spoil it for anybody either who doesn't watch it like the, the second it's up. True. Good point. I like that. What um, were you about to say before oh, I interrupted you with, with nonsense? I, well, I've been listening to um, uh, the Nosferatu, the uh, the Joe Hill uh, audio book that they they made the uh, the series out of. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't know when when this season ended. If they were planning on doing like a season two or not, 
Yeah. But now having listened to most of the book, I haven't quite come to the end yet. I think I got like another six hours or something. Mm -hmm. But the uh, there's definitely a whole at least one more season uh, of story to come. So I'm thinking that they must be making a season two of that. Mm. Okay, that's cool. How far did you get, or did you just do the one? Episode? I did one episode. All right. Stick with it fan. for a little while, Neil, and see what you think. Cause, yeah, uh, I, would, I didn't dig the first episode, but other people have told me the same thing. It gets better, so uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go back and watch some of it. I'm, I am happy, though, that I did watch the show before I, I listened to the book. Uh-huh. Because the book is a thousand times better so yeah. far. Yeah, that's a, that's usually what happens. Yeah, and if I would have went the other way, I probably would have stopped after one episode. Right, right. That's always my uh, my theory about uh, the Shining is people who didn't read the book uh, uh, before seeing the the Kubrick Shining r- tend to really like it, and the people right. that really knew the book are the ones who don't like the movie version. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's a definite fair assessment. Yeah. So uh, when I was in Chicago, I met you know, it was a wrestling uh, show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was some horror tie-in because they had a, uh, a Q&A panel with um, CM Punk, pro wrestler CM, well, former pro wrestler CM Punk. Mm-hmm. And uh, he spent a lot of time talking about uh, horror movies because he's in uh, Girl on the Third Floor. Which oh, I got yeah, to see, you told me about that. Yeah, which I get to see at Boston Underground Film Festival. I really liked it. Uh, I thought he had kind of a um, a Bruce Campbell vibe to him. Oh, wow. That's and, pretty cool. Yeah, so he's in that. Uh, I actually have a video interview with Travis Stevens, uh, the director, which I'm behind on video editing because I was sick and, and a lot of things going on. But I'm gonna try to get all this stuff up. I'm gonna I'm gonna put uh, the newest stuff up first. So I'm gonna get Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival videos up first, and then I'll go back and get some of the older stuff. But um, but anyway, so uh, so that's uh, coming out. The the trailers. I think the movie comes out in October. The trailers coming out now, or it's out now. And he's uh, CM Punk is also in the Saskas remake of Rabid. Oh no, kid! The Saskas. <laughs> The Saskia twins have always been very nice to me, and they were cool on the show. Uh-huh. As far as the trailer goes for for the new Rabbit, they were very nice to me oh. at the conventions. They were very nice on the show. And that's that's one that in the land of like, why are you remaking this movie? It was so good, it doesn't need a remake. That's a definite movie that like. By all means, remake this movie because the original's not any. Yeah, it's great weird. Shakes. I actually agree with you, and uh, it's considered a classic by a lot of people. And I, I watched it a few years ago, and I, I can't say I was a fan. And then I watched it again recently when uh, Joe Bob had it on Shutter. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe this is you know this tremendous movie, but I didn't. I I don't know. I just don't think it's a very good movie. No, it's pretty lame. But uh, yeah, so uh, it, you know, I do think um, if you are going to remake something, uh, the idea to remake something that you think's a little flawed, mm-hmm. it's probably good. But I, th- I think they see it as a great movie, so I don't yeah. know. I, I, I'm going to watch it, but yep. can't say it looks very good from the from the trailer. Right, right. 
But I'm just I'm just saying the the original didn't set the bar particularly high. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, controversy over their whole uh, Twitter ban. Oh, uh, really? I'm not saying I believe this, but I, I've seen a lot of people saying that uh, that it was a publicity stunt. Oh. I guess it's a possibility. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I I tend not to think so. I, I my personal opinion is someone just was kept reporting them because this has happened to me. And oh yeah, I'm a, I'm you a know fucking how sensitive nobody. People can be. You know? uh, oh, I'm fuck. I'm really low on the totem pole, and people have done this to me. So, <laughs> so if they could do it to Nasty Neil of all people, uh, you know, if there's people out there who want to attack the Saska twins, I'm sure they could go out there and and report their stuff and, and get them banned. Oh yeah, yep, no doubt. Like I said, oh, either way, they're always nice to me, so I'll I'll check this movie out. Hopefully, it's good. Yeah, we'll go in with a you know an open mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's all we can ask for. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, we're gonna get uh, Mitten on next week, and we'll do our full recap of Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival. Hey, you tell him if he wants to be on the the calendar cover, he better get his ass back here next week. Yeah, stop being a bitch. I mean that in a nice way. I know you do. In a nice way. But yeah, get bitten on here. I know he's shy, but uh, he can do it. He can do it. So uh, we're going to uh, soon you're going to get Richard Roundtree on to talk about Nefarious. Nice. I also want to check out his movie Dogged. Or Dogged, I'm sorry. Dogged. And it's, um, he said it's a uh, sort of, I forget like uh, what genre you put this in, like folk horror. Where it's you know kind of a wicker man kind of deal. Ooh, I like I like midsummer. So uh, I'm I, I need to check this out. What's cool about um you know when you go to these festivals, so you, you sometimes you see a movie of a director you're not necessarily familiar with, mm-hmm. and then like if you really like it, you want to go seek out their other work. Right. And uh, you know that's cool. That's I want to I want to cool. see what else what else this guy's done. And I would say the same thing with uh, Brian Avenet Bradley, who's a really nice guy, really good guy, and got a great interview with him. And um, Echoes of Fear was uh, was one of my favorite movies of the festival. Uh huh. It's funny from the from the poster. I mentioned this to him. I thought it was actually an alien movie, but it, it's a ghost movie. And oh, as God. you know, I'm not necessarily a big ghost movie fan. I'm not really into the haunted house films. Yep. But this one I liked. Well, that's a good thing then. Yeah, I think if it's taking you stuff. out of like your, you know, your normal movie going thing. Right. Yeah. Because a lot, a lot of these, uh, I know you like them. Um, the um, all these James Wan universe movies. Mm-hmm. I just find really boring. Mm-hmm. This one had like stuff. Stuff happened. Stuff happening's good. Yeah, there was some stuff like, happening. You know, like a like a oh, not like someone, stuff happening. Yeah, like a coaster moves or something. Like yeah. oh, but, you know, stuff was going on. I dug it and it had a. It was kind of a combination of a uh, traditional ghost movie, and then it was also some kind of you know creepy creatures. So I dug it. Oh, okay, it. that's a good combo. I always like that. He's a good dude. I like this guy. All right, Trey, we're going to get to this interview. Let's do it, boss. 
All right. So we're going to get Richard Roundtree here. We're talking about nefarious, talking about festivals. We're going to talk about being a a greensman. Whoa. What's that? Well, we'll uh, find out. We'll find out here in in, in a moment. I'll pretend that this wasn't pre-recorded. All right. <laughs> but uh, due to the time differences, it's been pre-recorded. It makes no difference because you've not heard it out, people. Exactly. Only you new know you. this. Exactly. It's well, even new to me. I'm going to break down the fourth wall here. And uh, big thanks to the Cheneys. It's our new music of the month here. I believe just Cheneys, not the Cheneys. Music okay. of the month, Cheneys. They are a punk horror band from Moscow, Russia. Wow. So the Russians are hacking without your head. That that's all right then. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna steal our selfies like they did with the. Uh... <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do with all those pictures of my dogs now in Russia. Right, right. Yeah, that's a okay. People out there, they're like, don't use don't use this program. Uh, the the face. Uh, what is it? The what's that? Facebook is the face it's app. Like whatever. the face app. Yeah, make yeah, yourself like, a woman or young right. or old. They're like the right. It's owned by this Russian agency, so they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna hack your your phone. It's like, well, what the hell do you put in this app? You put in your selfies. <laughs> yeah. What what is Russia gonna do with a bunch of my selfies that they could just go download off my Facebook anyway? <laughs> Good point. Because probably 99% of the photos you're going to use are the ones you have on there. Exactly. So, anyway, screw that. We're going to get to Nefarious. Greg <laughs> uh, Greg Lamberson says that uh, the terrible Troy is is the horror, the Ed McMahon of horror. Nice. I'm completely insulted by that. Thank you. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think it's a con. He said he loves it. Oh, okay. All right. Then. That's all right, then. Right, right. I, go- I need a faker laugh, though. I'm gonna have to work <laughs> on that. Right. I thought yeah. you were gonna go to <laughs> what was the uh, like publisher's clearinghouse or something? You're gonna oh, go yeah. to the door gonna show up with like a head. head. Yeah. No, just give him like a severed head. All right, that works. I'm like here you go. Right. Enough, enough, n- enough lollygagging. Enough tomfoolery. Enough <laughs> jackassery for one episode. Exactly. exactly. So let's go to get. Well, I think there's a lot of that in this next interview. (laughs) Richard Roundtree, and we'll be back next week. We're gonna have. uh, We'll be live next week with the cast of the final interview. I love this movie, Rich. um, Let me get the names. I should. I should have this right in front of me. uh, I believe it's Granger. Well, Granger and Damien and Fred Vogel will be here on the show. Uh, people know Fred Vogel, uh, makes a lot of like, um, uh, torture porn kind of films, the August underground movies. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a real departure for him. It's a, it's a totally different movie. I think it's his best movie. Nice. And so if you're not necessarily a fan of, uh, of the genre movie he makes, and, uh, you know, not because of the quality thing, but you're just not in those kind of movies. Uh, I highly rec- I recommend giving it a, a chance. And if you are, if you do like those movies, I don't think it's different enough that you won't like it. Okay, very good then. A great movie. It's um, it's primarily two actors. I mean, there's other people in it too, but it's primarily two actors. Dialogue heavy. Two guys just going back and forth. It's a uh, it's a talk show host interviewing uh, someone on death row who's dying who's going to be murdered that night uh, or killed that night. 
a serial killer and uh very well done uh both guys uh great performances and um the look of the movies is just great it's very like uh i think like 70s kind of 80s uh look uh, the score is great and it really uh, had me into because like i said it's, it's basically just dialogue for 90 minutes that's hard to pull off and keep your attention totally kept my attention and uh i loved it so uh Hope people really check that out. Great All right. Movie. I'm going to have to look into that one. All right. All right. Richard Roundtree here. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Righty. Here we go. From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. We should have listened. The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming tonight! Mostly! They're coming tonight! Mostly! They're coming tonight! Mostly! They're coming tonight! Mostly! Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming tonight! Hi, this is Greg Lamberson, and you are listening to Without Your Head. And I have a long history of film without heads. We have no head in Slime City. We have no head in Killer Rack. And we have no head in Johnny Gruesome's. Check out all those headless films. Welcome to the station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Richard Roundtree, director of Nefarious. It's very cool to have you here. Hi, thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah. So now I got to see Nefarious at Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival, which is a very long title. And uh, it was a good time. It was good fun over there. Yeah, it's such a, a nice bunch of people there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's my second time there. And uh, one of the things I like about uh, Buffalo is there's a nice community there. Everyone, uh, you know, they get to see their stuff over the years. And everyone um, is really supportive of everybody doing well. Yeah, exactly. I think um, it's it's organized in a really nice way and encourages people to come back year after year. We were there um, two years ago with our first feature film, Dogged, and um, it was nice to, to catch up with a lot of the same people because we crowdfund our feature films and uh, people who were there who, who enjoyed the first one, you know, helped. Uh, they contributed to the, the Kickstarter campaign for, for Nefarious. So mm-hmm. it was really nice to be able to premiere the film there and, and get them to see it first. Yeah, um, I have to seek out Dogged because uh, you guys said it was um, you know similar to like the Wicker Man that kind of uh, movie. I'm a huge fan of Wicker Man, so it sounds like a movie that I would like. Yeah, it's a very kind of a slow burn kind of folk horror movie, and there's a lot of similarities to the Wicker Man um, uh, without you know trying to to replicate it exactly. Sure. Um, uh, but yeah, it was it was an unusual film, I think, um, particularly for for the kind of budget that we had uh, and uh, people. You know, it seemed to go across. People enjoyed the fact that we'd been kind of pretty ambitious with a. I think at the time it was like eighteen thousand dollar budget, uh, mm-hmm. and the, the film clocked in at just under two hours. So, you got your money's worth. <laughs> yeah, and and those kind of movies now are uh, are popular since Midsummer uh, did so well. The the folk horror. Exactly. Yeah, they seem to be coming back into fashion. Um, they there's a, a British director called Ben Wheatley, uh, and he he did a movie called Kill List. Um, which kind of kick-started the trend in the UK. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's been going there. I think, you know, perhaps uh, the, the subject matter 
although it's it's kind of fascinating for people on this side of the Atlantic um, to to see those kind of rural British communities. Uh, they're they're obviously a lot closer to home uh, where we are. So uh, they're, they're, there's kind of a, a few more of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, where where actually can people see uh, Dogged? So Dogged is uh, you can get uh, if you're old school like me, you can get it on DVD from uh-huh. Best Buy. Walmart, but uh, I think only through their online stores. Uh, it's also on uh, VOD on iTunes and uh, YouTube and Google Play. Oh, very cool. I have a big stack of DVDs and Blu-rays to my right here, so I'm with you. I like yeah, the, uh, I've got the something physical. like 500 DVDs or something ridiculous <laughs> like that, and uh, yeah, I, my wife keeps telling me I've got to get rid of some before I can buy any new ones. <laughs> right. So uh, Nefarious, for people who haven't uh, got to see it yet, which probably is a lot of people since it just premiered, uh, can you give them an idea of what Nefarious is about? Yeah, sure. So it's kind of uh, it's, it's a part kind of home invasion movie and uh, part kind of grindhouse movie. Um, it's about four uh, young people who live kind of on the fringes of poverty uh, and an opportunity presents uh, itself to them to to reclaim what they believe you know, should be theirs, uh, and they owe money to some uh, pretty shady characters as well. So they break into a house and uh, get a bit more than they bargained for. Mm-hmm. Now, when you uh, make a movie, because um, you're in England, and uh, the movie's seen over the, all over the world, like I said, it was in Buffalo, uh, does it ever, like, and you also said dog, get us something that maybe uh, you're more familiar with, like the environment there. Uh, does it ever go like, is it ever concerned? Like are people in other countries or other cultures going to, uh, you know, uh, get what's going on here? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, particularly with the language and stuff, I think obviously, you know, that, you know, you have different dialects all over the U S as well, but, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the UK, you know, they're, they're, you know, we're a much smaller area and, and, you know, the diversity is kind of just the same. So, Things like the dialogue are obviously always a concern, and uh, I think I think that the story is kind of universal in that what we were going for was, uh, uh, you know, the, the underlying story is kind of about the disparity of of uh, you know the 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 very 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 wealthy kind of one percenters uh, and and the rest of the population, and and we we tried to tell that through the medium you know of a horror movie um, uh, to to get across quite a social you know, an important social issue, which I think is something that is affecting in the U.S. as well at the same time. So I think, you know, as long as you're telling a story that uh, a decent amount of people can relate to, uh, they can forgive, you know, the the kind of intricacies of, of whether or not it's uh, something necessarily, you know, whether they can relate to the actual environment or not. Mm-hmm. That's uh, something interesting you brought that up because uh, I see a lot on social media now are people – who will attack like a horror movie because it has like social uh, commentary in it. And to me, that's always been a part of a uh, genre. It's not just horror science fiction. Uh, it's always like, it almost always is like a parable for, for uh, something going socially or politically. And it's weird that some people are like against that now when I think it's always been there. Yeah, it certainly has. I mean, if you think back to, you know, kind of movies like Halloween, the original Halloween, you know, that's all about kind of, white middle-class America going wrong, um, Mm -hmm. at its core, uh, you know, I think maybe with the, the, because the tropes, uh, and the, the established rules of the genre have been so overdone, uh, people kind of just expect that. But, uh, I think the vast majority of filmmakers are all trying to tell a 
or certainly in the horror genre, are trying to tell a, a slightly deeper story than than the one that's on the surface. So mm-hmm. whether or not that's, um, you know, brought to the forefront like it is in movies like Get Out, mm-hmm. where it's kind of a very obvious one, or whether it's buried a bit more, you know, a few layers down, um, is, is you know, the, the, the kind of key issue. And I think if, if, if it looks like you're trying to push a social agenda or a political agenda, then that's when people kind of rebel against it. But if you if you kind of hide it in there a little bit, then it, it gives people something to think about without necessarily ramming it down their throats. Yeah. I was actually asked a question along those lines because I agree with that. And um, so when you're writing it, I know you, you co-wrote this movie. Uh, do you think of that? Like, because like I said, you don't want to hit people over the head with like, because uh, at the same time, you want people just to enjoy they're watching a horror movie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I you know, the the... We, we, the the story element of it comes kind of uh, as a natural thing, and then and then you can kind of look at how you know and step back and look at how it relates to the kind of uh, you know socio political climate um, of the time when you're making it. Uh, it's not always necessarily the same climate as when the movie comes out because the, mm-hmm. the period of time is sometimes two, three, four years before it comes out. So sometimes they they end up being a little bit redundant and irrelevant, but. Um, uh, if you try and weave something like that in there that you think is an important story, then uh, hopefully that does come across. Mm-hmm. So uh, you co-wrote this with Matthew Davies. So how does that work? How does co-writing work? Well, I mean, I think everybody uh, writes in a, in a different way, but um, uh, Matt is someone who I've been very good friends with since we were kind of 11 or 12 years old. Uh, so we know each other very well, and, and we've got a very similar taste in movies, which kind of inspired us to start doing this in the first place. Um, we just felt that we weren't seeing enough of the kind of movies that we wanted to, to watch. Um, so we sat down and, and, you know, we thrashed about a, a lot of different ideas for a lot of different projects, you know, not just horror, but comedy as well. And, and so the way that we work is we'll, we'll sit down, spend a, a kind of a period of time coming up with a story. Then, uh, we'll go away. I'll do the first draft, uh, send it over to him. He has a look at it. Then we meet up again, discuss, uh, kind of how, how we feel about the first draft, then he'll do a draft and, and then backwards and forwards uh, like that uh, until we're happy with something between us. Yeah. That's going to be something special, I assume, you know, uh, a friend of yours since you guys were 12 to, uh, you know, to, to be working together. It's, it's really nice. And I think, you know, we, w- when we first met, when we went to uh, like your equivalent of high school, mm-hmm. you know, kind of maybe the furthest thing from our minds that we would ever end up kind of doing this together but uh it's it's been a great journey and it's a lot of fun so we're, we're also because we've known each other so long we're not we're not afraid to tell each other you know <laughs> right you know, your idea <laughs> sucks right exactly <laughs> uh, does that happen a lot do you butt heads or no not really i mean there's uh, it, it's normally the things that we're pointing out to each other are things that we're maybe subconsciously already aware of and right not necessarily committed to but it, it sometimes takes that other person saying no this idea is shit you know let's let's go a different way yeah so when you guys were young was that something you guys did a lot watch movies together yeah i mean not necessarily together but you know we kind of grew up um uh, in the kind of late 80s early 90s you know that sort of period of time and so it was it was still kind of vhs tapes and um you know kind of passing vhs tapes around the playground at school you know between our friends and uh again to watch a lot of the the kind of movies you know we we, we had a, a great deal of censorship in the uk 
uh, for quite a long period of time. Um, so there were a lot of movies that we couldn't get, you know, when we were in our early teens, you know, these things that were out over here, like Exorcist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and things like that, which were still banned in the UK at that time. So there was a kind of a, an element of, you know, the, the bravado of swapping these VHS tapes, which... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's something special about that when you do see something that's like, uh, you know, taboo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes the, you know, the film suffers because of the buildup. Um, right. Yeah. Those two examples, you know, they were ones that still, you know, I, I felt privileged in a way to be able to watch them for the first time in a, in a movie theater um, uh, when they did get released, because it was kind of like a lot of other people in the theaters hadn't seen them. Mm hmm. Uh, and and it was nice to see them without the kind of the grainy uh, VHS quality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when did you start writing Nefarious? Um, so we started Nefarious uh, in late 2017, uh, which was kind of after we'd finished shooting Dogged. Uh, and that was a way kind of in the post-production uh, process, which was when we were first able to kind of sit down and we, we we discussed there's there's two other producers as well chris and lee and and we kind of had a, a bit of a debrief about what had worked and what hadn't worked with dogged um and uh we you know we came to the conclusion that we'd been pretty naively ambitious with it um uh there was kind of 22 principal cast and we were shooting all over the uk and you know we had this minuscule budget and we were like, well, how can we, how can we kind of make things easier on ourselves in some ways uh, for, for the next one? And we decided, well, look, we need to, to have something with one location, minimal crew, minimal cast. And, uh, you know, the, the, the subgenre of kind of home invasion lends itself pretty well to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't want to just, you know, remake the same kind of things that we'd already seen. So that's where the kind of grindhouse element of it came in and, and switching that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the casting, is there a lot of the same cast from Dogged? We've got um, kind of three or f- yeah, kind of three of the same principal cast, and then uh, uh, another guy as well. So like four altogether, and then uh, we we had to get a couple of newcomers in for Nefarious as well because it, it the, the the stories are so different. You know, Nefarious is a kind of a very urban kind of city based story, and and Dogged was a very rural. Uh, kind of story so yeah we needed to bring in some some kind of new talent to realize that uh element of it yeah so uh i found out in buffalo then i saw your imdb page and there's like a lot of huge movies uh you work in uh in the movie industry outside of your own independent films yeah that's right so uh, i'm a, a greensman in the uk um uh, which involves kind of creating natural scenery for film and tv Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything from kind of forests to jungles to deserts, you know, or, or even, you know, for commercials and things, you know, sometimes they'll they'll do a shot that's supposed to be somebody's uh, house and outside the window you can see a garden. So uh, if they do that in a studio, then we have to create a small portion of the garden, that kind of thing. So any, mm-hmm. any kind of natural scenery. Yeah. How, how did how does one like uh, get into that? Like, were, <laughs> were you into like plants or were you into movies or were both? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been really into movies and I, I kind of, I, I spent 10 years in the, in the film industry, uh, doing different jobs before I kind of landed with that one. And, um, my mum uh, had actually been a florist, um, uh, and she, she had a, a shop in the, the small village where I came from, uh, which is very close to Pinewood Studios in the UK. And, um, she ended up working on some of the Bond films, 
mm. and a few other productions. So uh, she kind of had always brought me up with, you know, kind of the, 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 the horticultural side of things, you know, uh, plants and things around the place. And, and obviously combined with the love of movies, it seemed like a, a natural progression. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it's, uh, it's not necessarily for uh, a profession you hear a lot about, you know, not, that's, I agree very, for movies. It's very niche. I mean, I think um, in the U S uh, with the, because of the union rules that you guys have over here, I think, you know, it's a bit more of a prevalent job. Um, but in the UK, there's very, kind of very few people who do it. So we end up going all over the world uh, with British productions. Um, I was out in um, Jordan in the Middle East for two months earlier this year. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good fun job that, that, you know, gives you a lot of creative input where you wouldn't yeah. necessarily have it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Now, did you go to like a film school or um, it's kind of like working uh, on movies, your film school? Um, a, a little bit of both. So I did actually, um, I did go to university and do film studies, but, um, it was kind of a, a more of a, a theoretical based course. So it kind of set me up for film journalism more than practical filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I tried to use it to my advantage as much as possible in that, you know, it, it afforded me a lot of time to just sit down and watch lots and lots of movies, uh, which is, you know, obviously one of the, the, the great pieces of education you can get working in film. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of years kind of flitting around, uh, between different departments, um, in the, well, all over, uh, started off in the UK and I, I started in post-production and then went into production and, um, realized that that was where my, my kind of passion was. And, and so, yeah, carried on with that. And, and after, you know, sort of 15 years of doing it, I realized, hang on a minute, I, I kind of got into the film business because I wanted to make my own films and I wasn't doing it. So that was when we kind of sat down and decided to make our first short film and everything kind of uh, spiraled out of control from there. <laughs> yeah. So I will actually, how many uh, short films did you do before you did the feature? Um, I think we did eight altogether. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they were, they were a good learning curve. We, the, the very first one we did, um, because we weren't sure, uh, kind of, you know, the, the, the level of the people that we were having volunteer work for us. Um, they were all people who kind of worked their own thing. You know, they were kind of all assistants and, and, you know, kind of lower level stuff. So we did a, a 48 hour competition, mm-hmm. uh, realized, you know, we all absolutely loved doing it and, and that we wanted to, to carry on with doing more things like that. Um, yeah. so, so kind of expanded the shorts a little bit and, and spent a bit more time on them and a little bit more money and, then we did uh, we did a short version actually of Dogged, um, which was uh, only four minutes long, mm-hmm. and it did really well in festivals. So we decided that yeah we were going to kind of push on and, and try and make a feature of it because when we when we were making the short films, all of them we always made them with the the kind of idea that they were a, a small subsection of a much bigger story. So mm-hmm. the, the the kind of story for Dogged was already there, but obviously for you know, for the purposes of getting it into to film festivals as a short, you know, we wanted to keep it as short as possible. So it was kind of a very, very condensed version of the feature. Mm-hmm. So uh, besides just like the practice of learning how to make something uh, with the shorts, uh, was that a big help with the festivals? Because then you, you start to, you know, you get your shorts in the festivals. And then by the time you have a feature, you kind of uh, know more about the, the festivals. Yeah, I mean, I think the the shorts and the features uh, festivals that you know, although they're very often the same festival, they're they're kind of run very differently. They they 
normally have different programmers. Um, so although you kind of, you know, have a few contacts here and there, it's uh, it's a very different ball game. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of festivals kind of run for three or four days over a weekend. And so they can program lots of shorts, but they can't necessarily program lots of features. So in a lot of ways, it's it's a lot more competitive. Um, and uh, there's just, uh, you know, I, I'm involved with running a festival myself. And oh, really? the, 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 the kind of sheer number of filmmakers around the world who who are so desperate to get their work seen uh makes it very difficult to get into anywhere with a short as well you know but i think particularly with a feature it's uh it's a real honor to be selected at any of them and and to to have an audience who are kind of au fait with with films um like they were at buffalo and and at the moment where i am in austin it, you know, is is really invaluable feedback uh, that you get from those audience members. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a big honor. Yeah. Besides um, uh, the fans getting to see, uh, you know, or the audience getting to see the, the movies at the festival, what do you think are some of the benefits of having your movie play at a festival? Um, I mean, I think you know, it, I, I always um, kind of encourages uh, reviewers. Um, uh, people who are at the festivals, you know, they, they, they very often have press uh, members there. Um, so, you know, I, I, I firmly believe there's no such thing as a bad uh, review or bad publicity because, you know, it's always getting the name of the film out there, um, which can only help in the long run. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, even for yourself, being able to, to watch an audience's reaction to it, it helps guide you in the future. Um, for what you're going to do so i mean for example with uh with dogged what we found is a lot of people found it uh too long it was you know i i find that bizarre like i, I feel like if a movie's two hours uh I, i'm kind of getting my money's worth out of it you know the right. theater ticket but um a lot of people were kind of you know the attention span of maybe 70 80 minutes so it's uh, that was one of the things we learned. We also learned that <laughs> with with the dogged tour that people were like, "Wow, you know, there's kind of there's not a lot of blood and gore in it." So we were like, "Well, this time we're going to go, you know, over the top with the blood and gore to make up." <laughs> so yeah. I think just as a filmmaker, it's, you know, the, I, I think you always learn in um, and and as long as you're you're kind of tailoring stuff to your audience as well as kind of keeping your own integrity, I think that's a very valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you when you got in, in Buffalo Dreams, like did did you hear about hear about that before? Like uh, I guess why did you submit to Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival? So I mean we uh, we've kind of got a bit of a history with them. So with the, when we did the short film of Dogged, um, mm-hmm. we we submitted there, and that was kind of primarily because I'd read about it and and it seemed like a the, the right sort of environment for the film. Uh, it ran for uh, kind of a, a week or eight days, I think, back then. That was uh, four or five years ago. And uh, we actually won Best Micro Short there. Mm. Um, it was fantastic. So when it came to the feature, then we submitted the feature to them. And they you know, they did us the honor of playing it as the, the closing night film. And uh, I think we won Best Horror Feature that year. Um, so it was kind of natural for us to go back there, having been there and met Greg and Chris yeah. and everybody. And, it's uh, yeah. It's always nice to go back to, to to the festivals for sure. Yeah, and I think uh, Greg's background in a filmmaker himself uh, really um, he does some of the best Q and A's I've seen at, at festivals because he asks a lot of questions that I don't think are asked a lot in, in interviews with filmmakers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you know, when you go to a lot of festivals, you you kind of do exactly get asked the same old questions over and over again, and not just 
by the the compares but by the audience as well you know kind of what camera did you shoot on you know what was your favorite day and you know the same old things kind of get regurgitated and, and that's fine because it's always nice to to chat with people about it but mm-hmm. i think like you say kind of greg's insights uh, uh are helpful for the audience uh in in provoking me to come up with slightly more interesting answers than normal <laughs> yeah so when uh, nefarious premieres what's that experience like since it's you know the first time well i assume you watch it with like um the crew and stuff but the first time you're watching with an audience who hasn't seen it before yeah i mean i i was really really nervous about it um uh, just because i i actually hadn't even been at the cast and crew screen and i was working uh, abroad okay. when we had the cast and crew screen and so i'd i'd been given feedback um uh by them but obviously you know people who've worked on a film are always going to be a, more complimentary than uh, somebody who's kind of going sure. watching it critically so i yeah i was really nervous but i was really pleased with the the response that it got i mean i think everybody kind of understands what we're trying to do and and how we're trying to achieve it with the kind of budget levels that we've got and i think they appreciate that we you know we try to put as much value as possible on screen mm-hmm. Are you ever surprised by um, the reaction to anything in your movies uh, when you're watching it at a festival? Like maybe they laugh at something you wouldn't think they'd laugh at. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that varies as well from, from festival to festival. And, and, you know, I think it kind of largely depends on things like, you know, when your programming slot is and, and everything. Yeah. you know, if you're screened at nine o'clock on a Tuesday morning, you know, in a, you know, in a festival, you're going to get a very different reaction than if you're, you know, Friday night at 10 p.m., you know, it's uh, everybody's kind of had a chance to watch a few movies and, and have a few drinks and get chatting and, you know, just generally loosen up. And, and so, yeah, you do. Uh, there, there was a few uh, unanticipated uh, laughs um, at Buffalo uh, mm-hmm. and gasps as well. And, and there was one or two which maybe didn't quite hit the mark that we were expecting. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it's always interesting to see. Yeah. I uh, have a question here from uh, Greg Lamberson. I uh, said he went. You went to Jordan, then home to the UK, then to Canada, then to Buffalo in the, in the states, and back to the UK, then to Austin, Texas. Does it feel like you visited four countries instead of three? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't feel like I've been at home very much lately. And my right. boss is a bit pissed off with me, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's always fun going everywhere. I mean, I you know, I've, I've I'm lucky enough to have been travelled all around the states as well. You know, uh, when I finished university, uh, I travelled kind of quite extensively. So I've been to 37 different states in the US now. So oh, nice! It's uh, it's always always nice going somewhere new and and getting a bit of time there and meet new people and the the just generally you know the the reception that you get from different people is is brilliant i went into a subway here in austin yesterday and uh-huh. the, the 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 girl who was working in there was just kind of fascinated by my accent so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's cool I, I went to uh to london for the first time last year i had a very good time the fright fest yes yes yeah sort of pictures did you enjoy it yeah, I had a great time. We went all around. We didn't spend a lot of time at Fright Fest. We actually went around to, to London a lot. And I was still, I, I don't drink anymore, stop drinking. But at the time, I still drank a lot. So we went to a lot of uh, a lot of cool pubs. Yeah. And uh, very nice, like really old pubs. It was funny because when I came back, my brother was like, did you see? And he's naming like all the tourist places. Like, no, no. And he's like, what, what did you even do in London? I was like, oh, we went to a bunch of pubs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's kind of the social thing we've got going on over there. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're in Texas right now. Uh, did you get any barbecue? I know you said Subway, but did you get any barbecue in Texas? I, I haven't yet. No. So I got in yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, and I went straight to the festival uh, via Subway. Uh, watch some movies, and then uh, I, I, I watched like five movies on the airplane as well. So yeah. I was I was fully audienced out uh, by the end of the day. So <laughs> it is on my radar for tomorrow. I'm definitely going for barbecue. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah, that, that is nice. So on the flight is uh, watching the movies. So uh, well, it, it definitely passes the time. Yeah, I mean, it gives me a chance to catch up. I mean, I've got two young kids, and and working in the film industry as well. There's just so much stuff that I miss these days, and um in the uk are are the movies that come in the multiplexes are so uh limited you know it's mm-hmm. kind of if there's 10 screens they'll have nine of them will have star wars or nine of them will have Endgame. you know it's yeah. it, there's not a great deal of kind of smaller movies and certainly very few independent movies that get a theatrical release so mm-hmm. even, even just being able to see them on a, a tiny tiny screen on an airplane is uh, is a treat with some of them Mm-hmm. Some so, of them, so much. <laughs> yeah, oh well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, some of your movies, like Nefarious and Dogged, uh, in England, um, uh, how how do people t- take to them uh, in your home country? Well, I mean, I, Nefarious, I'm not sure yet. We've got our. Yeah, it's too early. Yeah, yeah. On the 28th of October, we've got our UK premiere, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes over there. But I mean, certainly with Dogged, um, the the. The, the vast majority of kind of the the, pos- the more positive reactions came from uh, countries outside of the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's because it's yeah it's uh, kind of that looking glass uh, mentality from from audiences around the world who enjoy looking in on on kind of you know other other cultures and and how these kind of small scale uh, productions might work in in those countries. So. Yeah, I'm I'm eager to see how nefarious goes down. Yeah, yeah. Well, before I, th- I forget one thing too about when I was in London, I think the food gets a bad rap. I actually uh, I didn't have a bad meal when I was in England. I thought all the food was very good. It depends. It, it has improved a lot in the kind of the last ten years, but okay. Before that, it was uh, it was all very bland. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I'm also a fan of the donor kebab. We had a, a small little donor kebab yeah. uh, stand out uh, for. We rented a flat and. Uh, and it was open late at night, so uh, I, I enjoy. And I can't find any that really matches it here in the states. No, I think it's kind of a, a slightly different thing. You have shawarma and things like that, right? But uh, yeah, it's not quite the same as. Uh, I always think I always think the doner kebab when they're carving it, it looks like an elephant's foot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I can see that now that you mention it. I don't know if that makes it as appetizing now, but. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of fun of uh, effects in nefarious uh particularly uh, uh a tub of acid which uh which you don't always see in movies but i was i was happy to see some acid <laughs> yeah uh we we tried to do as much uh with practical effects as we could um just because i think it, you know it, it's always more visceral um uh lee who does our vfx was really good as well he in the areas where we needed a, a bit of kind of computer generated magic, he, he managed to sprinkle a bit of that in, but yeah, we certainly tried to do as much as uh, with practical as we could. And I think it helps for uh, the actors as much as anything else to be able to react to seeing something mm. um, uh, and, and kind of engage with it. And poor Amari uh, who plays Maz who, who falls in the barrel. I think, he, you know, after his 
eight or nine hours of makeup, he might disagree. But um, <laughs> I think for everybody else, it was helpful for sure. Yeah. I always uh, thought that, um, well, there's a few things there. I think practical effects uh, has a weight to it. Where the CGI, even good CGI, a lot of times doesn't have that. You could tell it's like not there. The weight's not right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all about the texture, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And there's also a thing. And this isn't about your movie, but uh, I think bad practical effects are still f- like charming. Where bad CGI is just bad. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you feel like you know. With um, with practical effects, there's only so many times you can try it. Um, whereas with uh, with visual effects, you know, the, the the capacity is there for anyone to be able to do it well. It's just a case of finding the correct people to do it. So yeah, I, I can totally see that. Yeah. So what kind of a horror movie uh, do you like to watch when you're not making horror movies? Um, I, I I I prefer things that have kind of got a, a bit more of a psychological basis to them. So uh, my favourites are things like uh, The Shining and uh, Thing. Um, but I you know I I really enjoy all sorts of stuff. It's um there's there's kind of no limits to to what I love and and uh, I I you know going back to what we were saying about kind of the the social commentary you know kind of ones of, of the present day. I mean things like Get Out I I loved. Mm-hmm. It follows as well. I think, you know, any time when a filmmaker is trying to do something uh, a little bit different and, you know, I, it's a horrible phrase, but, you know, the, the elevated horror uh, kind of conversation, you know, any time that someone's at least attempting to, to kind of make better horror, as it were, uh, is a good thing for me. Yeah. Have you seen Midsummer? I have, yes. I haven't seen the director's cut yet, which I really want to see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's still playing here, and and I'm going to go see it Saturday. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, it's uh, you know obviously it's a very long film, and and it mm-hmm. kind of there's there's huge sections of it where I think you know uh, kind of mainstream uh, horror audiences will kind of be like, what the hell is going on, and <laughs> right. and bits of it, and um, you know that's fine because it's obviously you know Ari Aster's tried to do something quite ambitious with it, and and. The, the performance of Florence Pugh uh, as the lead in it is just uh, something else. She's absolutely brilliant in it. And there's a lot of kind of WTF moments, which, uh, which are great. <laughs> well. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the long one, but I'm like you, uh, as, as long as it's good, which I guess is kind of a silly thing to say, obviously if it's bad, you don't want to sit through a long movie, but if it's, if it's, uh, if it's a good movie, uh, the uh the time the running time never bothers me i I enjoy watching a lot of my favorite movies are really long movies yeah exactly i mean yeah i think if you if you're watching it in the right environment it doesn't matter how long it is for sure i mean it's i think the 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 kind of younger generation today who are kind of just used to maybe just watching movies on ipads and iphones uh there's so many other distractions around for them if they're just watching it in that environment yeah yeah, you know, it's difficult to keep your concentration on a phone screen for two hours. But mm-hmm. if you're in a movie theater and it's all you've got in front of you and, you know, there's just nothing to distract you, then it's perfectly easy to, to fall away into the story a bit more. Yeah, I agree 100 percent because I, I try to see uh, when possible. It's not always possible but everything on the big screen, because to me, there's uh, no better way to watch a movie. Exactly. And, and, you know, I don't think there's any filmmakers working in the world who, who envisage their films being watched on a, an iPhone. Uh, <laughs> right. they, they, they fill the frame, you know, if they're doing it properly and their production designer puts a lot of effort into 
filling every frame with things that have you know meaning or color or texture and and so it it kind of does it a disservice if you're watching it anywhere else yeah and like you said uh you know you can't escape it so you you know you can't unless you're just an ass and you start looking on your phone but you know it's all there in front of you and you know it really really you that's how you get immersed in a movie exactly you get locked into it don't you yeah and i think that helps paper over the cracks uh, of things that necessarily might not make sense or or you know you can forgive the 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 smaller issues if you're completely immersed in the story for sure mm. and uh you got to uh, you won awards here at in, in buffalo we did yeah we won five awards it was amazing um, uh best international feature uh best original song uh best uh, titles best production design and best uh special makeup and effects that's awesome so uh what what do you do with the plaques uh, well so the, <laughs> i'm very i'm very uh, uh uh unanimous in the fact that i'm keeping the one for best feature uh-huh. <laughs> i'm like you know come on i've been there all the way through <laughs> i mean you know the other guys have as well but sure uh, so as soon as I go back, I, everyone except the composer uh, has got theirs now. Um, so they can put theirs up on the wall and I've got to send the composer his one uh, when we get back. But yeah, the uh, the kind of uh, kingpin ones, as it were, I get to keep those in my living room. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't blame you. So I also have to mention, it's an amazing poster. The uh, the I know it's a different one on IMDb, but the uh, like the, the painted one, I, I yep. love that poster. Thank you very much. Yeah, so that was um, Chris Barnes, uh, who's a very talented guy, uh, and he runs a company called Brutal Posters. I think they're at Brutal Posters on Twitter. Uh, he does a lot of fan art as well as uh, kind of original movie stuff, so it's worth uh, it's worth checking them out because he's uh, a very talented guy and very nice guy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. It's got the like an old you know hand painted uh, poster feel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, you know, yeah, and it brings in the the kind of color tones that we were really going for with the film as well. The kinds of the, the blues mm-hmm, and the it. purples and stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it was uh, we 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 let him uh, watch the movie, uh, and then we sent him all of the the stills uh, that Matt Wignall, our, our photographer, had taken, and he kind of looked through, and and we just let him run with it, and uh, uh, it was uh, all his work. So yeah, it's fantastic. We were really pleased with it. Mm-hmm. So you said you're in Texas. Uh, what festival is it uh, in Texas? So this is uh, Austin Revolution Film Festival, uh, and it started uh, yesterday, uh, Tuesday, uh, and it goes on till Saturday, and we're screening on Friday night at 11 p.m., so it should be uh, quite a rowdy crowd. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. Now, uh, when you have time, do you, do you catch the other movies playing? Yeah, absolutely. I go to as many as I can. I mean, the, the the great thing about this festival is that it's kind of very filmmaker focused. So there's loads of filmmakers here from from you know all around the world, and so it, it's largely a, a very good networking event as much as anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been in today to a, a high school to talk to some kind of film students and talk to them about our experiences. So it's uh, it's kind of quite an enriching trip all around. I think yeah, it's uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. So where does Nefarious go uh, after Texas? Um, So we've got a confirmed screening for London, our UK premiere on the uh, 28th of October. Um, uh, And then uh, we've got one or two more lined up after that, which we're not allowed to announce just yet. But uh, fingers crossed, uh, uh, it'll be a few more in the States, a few more across the US before uh, it finishes its run. But 
the festival run we're thinking maybe we'll go on till uh kind of maybe march april time and uh we've got a sales agent on board now so uh fingers crossed uh, a distributor will pick it up and it'll be out on uh, dvd and blu-ray shortly thereafter okay very cool and where can people follow nefarious online um, so there's a, a Facebook page, which is, uh, I think if you search for Nefarious, uh, it should come up uh, with the, the purple poster. Uh, and then on uh, Twitter as well, uh, I think it's at Nefarious Movie on there. And I'm on Twitter as well, at R underscore Roundtree, which is R-O-W-N-T-R-E-E. And there's links in my bio to uh, Dogged and Nefarious's pages. So, yeah. All right. Very cool. Well, I appreciate coming on, and I'm glad we got to do this. I know we didn't we didn't have time to do it in Buffalo, but uh, it's really cool to talk to you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. It's been really great talking to you. Yeah, very good. And enjoy the rest of Texas, and definitely get some barbecue. Thank you. I will do. <laughs> All right. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. Bye. Demise is not the coolest thing you know